So it'll be our usual awkward 20 minutes after this happens where we bring up topics we already talked about and try to awkwardly remember jokes we made already. Sure, sure. Perfect. Welcome to the second most popular dragon podcast on the internet. My name is David Dedrick. Hi, uh, me and Boothby. I'm the second most popular host on that show. <laughs> good, to, good to talk to you, David. Nice, to, nice to speak to you. Uh, okay, we're gonna spill the beans here. Uh, we recorded an hour of uh, nonsense. I don't think it was, a, was it an hour. Uh, well, uh, we started at about uh, five fifty. It yeah. is now. 542 sorry 450 yeah yeah, yeah and so uh for yeah so uh, yeah. approximately Approxim- an hour <laughs> uh we discussed the usual uh, uh complete breakfast we talked about into it. we talked about cereal we got into a, a discussion of john waters we did get and into divine yep. yep um i can't think of anything else we talked about uh but you know uh revealed some deep secrets <laughs> Uh, probing secrets, yes. and uh, and then looked at the recorder and went, oh, the plug's out, yeah. and uh, oopsie doodle, <laughs> uh, that's all gone poof. Yeah, I moved my chair back, I guess the wire had wrapped around the wheel, and then I moved the chair back, it uh, pulled the uh, outlet out of the wall, the recorder turned off, and then it didn't save anything, because it only saves stuff on, it's not like an old-fashioned yeah. tape recorder. That we're used to, where it, as it's recording, it's recording onto the magnetic tape. A digital recorder only finalizes the recording when you press stop. This is why we've lost shows in the past when I first moved into the shop. Because a similar thing happened. There's wires everywhere. And then you go to turn your chair, move around, and I pulled the recorder onto the floor, causing it to turn off. Yep. And that was in, that was it for the show. Yep. <laughs> so. And all the little trons in that digital uh, <laughs> thing died. They all just they all just fell off the cliff, uh, which is you know hey look so if you're going like hey this episode seems a little shorter than normal uh, that might be why uh, or maybe it'll be the same length yeah and uh, who the heck knows we just might we're just dispirited after all our great jokes just went into the oh ether. boy the the humdingers <laughs> that you uh, that you missed oh yeah I'm not saying they were like classics or anything or they're gonna you know what I yeah. would say you should do and this is my advice to you the yeah, listener sure. Uh, invite David and I uh, to dinner. Yeah, uh, and uh, we'll tell you those jokes or similar ones. Very, <laughs> similar. very similar sure. ones. Well, that's you know, as, my, as Mary said after eating with us a couple of times when she would, we I give her a ride home for me for uh, when she was at going to university in Vancouver. Uh, she, we'd come out for dinner with us. She'd say it was like my own personal Sneaky Dragon episode. So. And we said to her, "That's hurtful." Because you know how she was saying it. <laughs> She's saying it was too much. It was too much. That's too enough. Much. Yeah. And she would roll her eyes so hard they would occasionally <laughs> pop out of her skull. Yeah. And, and it's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, so uh, just one quick thing uh, before we uh, move on mm-hmm. to new topics. Okay. Uh, with the John Waters thing. Here's my John Waters trivia for you. Okay. Thank you. John Waters' mother. Yeah. Is from a Canadian city. Really? Yes, she. Uh, Hamilton. She, em- she emigrated to uh, Canada. Okay. And so emigrated from a, Canada. She no, she's she's either an immigrant or an emigrant. She's or an Im- a United Arab 
Emerald. <laughs> She's uh, she came from a Canadian city. Yes, and moved, moved to, to Baltimore to America. Yes, to follow her dreams and fall in love. Yes, and have a weirdo son <laughs> whose father said, "Let me teach you how to shave, son." Yeah, and how to make a really tiny mustache. Yeah. Um, okay, so what Canadian city? Mm-hmm. You're gonna. I'm gonna give you five guesses. Yeah, it's a major city in Canada. Okay. And you can ask me, like, you know, questions or whatever, and okay. I'll lead you okay. towards it. First, it's not Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, oh, it's okay. It's a major Canadian city. Major city. Is it located in the West? Yes, sir, it is. It's located in the West. It certainly is. It's very West, sir. Is it, is it very, a, very Is it a go. coastal city? Oh, sir, it's very coastal. Is it Vancouver? No, sir. Strike one. Oh. Hard strike. You said it's a well-known city. Yes, sir. On the West Coast. Yes, sir. So I guess Victoria then. Yes. Oh, wow. There you go. She's from Victoria. Interesting. John Waters' uh, mother is from Victoria, British Columbia. He's got a little Canadian in him. That's why he's a weirdo. Yep. And also because he was homosexual when it was illegal. <laughs> right. So you could go up to him and, and say the joke. You could. Yeah. To him. Uh, do you have a little Canadian in you? Would you like a little Canadian in you? Sure. And then, you know, he'd go, ha ha, I get that old joke. Yeah. And we'd all have a nice time and have a good laugh. <laughs> And uh, and uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, you asked an interesting question, so I, I think I was I still want to answer it, even though that caused the machine to turn off because God didn't want us to talk about John Waters. But because you know, God hates fags. It's a well-known fact established by the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, I've read it on the sign. Four, Fourteen people can't be wrong. Fourteen people in a church. <laughs> the thing that bothers me the most, by the way, when yes. they have their little signs. Mm-hmm. You know, there are no uh, gods except for, you know, Jehovah or wherever it is. Is that what they say? Well, this is, this is, there's one God is uh-huh. what they say. Okay, yeah. Uh, which really, uh, I feel bad because when we're in San Diego Comic-Con and they're doing that, yeah. Thor is right there. Um, and it's feelings. just like right in his face. Sure. Just like, no, there's one God. <laughs> and Thor's like, but pretty. No, like, no. And little Molnir gets all sad uh. and, and they just walk away. Mm. Yeah, nothing like a droopy hammer. Yep. No, no. <laughs> We're gonna have to fight Hella. <laughs> well, she smashed me into pieces. Now, <laughs> I hope I come back in a subsequent movie. Inexplicably. Inexplicably. <laughs> don't don't think about it too much, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you asked me uh, what what value John Waters has in our modern world because. He was once the master of bad taste. You know, his movies, his movies like Bad Taste mm-hmm. were movies of bad, of bad taste. You know? He was, a con- he was a, not a contrarian, but he was an answer to what the status quo was at the time. Yes. You know, he was, yeah, he was. We don't speak about homosexuality. He was going to yell about homosexuality. <laughs> in, in, in a way, but in a way that was meant to alienate. He wasn't trying to placate placate right i don't know how to say that word i just read it but he wasn't trying to placate the public you know he wanted to be seen as dangerous and as awful and unlikable and and you know he wasn't trying to like make them say look homosexuals are just harmless people we're just like you he wanted to say no no we're we are weirdos we are dangerous we are you know what you what you don't want to bring home to mama. danger yeah sure yeah, if someone thinks you're not dangerous, you're 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 in danger. <laughs> there you go. Um, it the reason we brought this up, I was talking about Divine, who because I was watching a uh, a biography, uh, a documentary about Divine on on Tubi, my favorite 
streaming service, apparently. And one interesting thing in that movie was uh, his name, real name was Gwen Milstead. And there's a, they talk, interview his mother, and she talks about how, and it's just so like one of those things where you're just kind of like, she thinks it's great, but you're like, hmm, not good. Because she's like, you know, I went to the doctor and she told me about that Glenn was homosexual. And this was a very young age because he was different than other kids. You mm-hmm. know, he wanted to play with dolls and he wanted to have, you know, like to dress up. And and she went to the doctor and, and I said to him, no matter, you know, I don't care that you're this way. I'll love you forever. You know, I'll never, you know, I'll always love you. And you're like, so you're loving him despite or in spite of who he is, you know, like, we'll just put that aside and I'll love you forever. And then when he actually declared himself a homosexual to his parents mm-hmm. and said, I'm, I'm gay and I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to live a gay lifestyle and I'm going to be, you know, out and about as a gay man. And that was the last time they saw him. They would never see him. They would never let him, you know, back into their lives. Oh, and you're like, Ooh. I thought you're gonna love him forever. It didn't matter who he was. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. But as soon as he declared, soon it became like something the neighbors were gonna know. You know, as soon as he stopped dating a girl, pretend dating a girl, you know, because it was just a way of hiding himself. Right. Then, uh, nope. Out Wouldn't you it go. be nice to know? Like, I know this was like such a big issue for so many people back in the day. Of like, what will the neighbors think? Oh yeah, and just like uh, it would just be so nice to have been able to go out and just go, let's find out, and just go to the neighbors, <laughs> and you know the neighbors are like, I've got my own problems. Yeah, like I don't care what? what, what's, what's going on. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you know what's what happening? Is. Like, yeah. uh, well, who cares? Yeah, who who cares? That was my you know, that was the, my mom's driving motivation as a, yeah. when I was a, a kid. Like, what will the neighbors think? Yeah, yeah. What if you? Oh, you didn't mow your lawn. Oh, what will the neighbors think? Oh, you, I mean. What if the neighbors came in and saw that the house was a mess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What if the neighbors came over and we didn't have enough snacks? Oh, my God. If I had friends coming over, my mom had this weird thing where she would, like, boil cloves on the stove. And then she would walk around the house with this pot of, of cloves to, like... Saying the power of Christ compels you? <laughs> to get the smell of teenagers out of the house, teenage boys out of the house. Was it driving just it out. in throwing the hot oil? I don't know. I guess it was, like, the equivalent of, like, baking for her. To have like the smell of cloves is like yeah. some sort of like spicy smell that yeah people come in and go mm, smells like cloves. Well, I mean, we uh, geez, are you making I mean, pumpkin pie? <laughs> every gosh darn ad yeah. for Febreze, is yeah, bad, yeah, right. It's yeah. just like when you walk in the house, hey, that's an overwhelming stench of like <laughs> humans, you know, clean cl- clean clothes or crisp cotton, yeah, or some bullshit. It's like, well, that can't be good. Like. How about you just like adjust to whatever the smell is in the room? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, if the cat just pooed, <laughs> like clean it up. Yeah, if you clean it up, the smell will go away eventually. Yeah. Also, can you smell the bad things mm-hmm. because you've just put something over this thing that would tell you that there's a problem? That's right. You know. Yes, it's a new new thing. It's called encase in wax, where you spray wax over everything you have in your house so that it there's no smell or and no one can reach it. It is all. I wonder how many people that have that mindset of just like, oh, what will the neighbors think? Oh, we got to keep up appearances. Yeah. That when they die and they're like buried in a in a cemetery or just like, who's going to maintain the lawn around me? <laughs> like, like, what if my lawn was like. Well, that's a usually a pre-death worry, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But to make sure that they do. That oh, yeah, yeah. Just saying it. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, you would go and you would, I assume that you wouldn't just buy a plot 
in a cemetery un, unseen, you would go there and investigate right. to make sure that Generally, they, yeah. yeah. But you know what's going to happen regardless is goth kids are going to fuck on you. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> goth <laughs> kids are going to come. Listen to Morrissey. Listen to the gonna, Smiths. They're going to have sex. They're just going to go. Yeah, and Bella Lugosi's dead. Playing cemetery and, gates. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, your yeah. graves are rocking <laughs> and uh, don't come a-knocking. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, sure. that's, that's what's going to happen regardless. Yeah. So just deal with that. Personally, that sounds great, but maybe my mom wouldn't like it so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she'd stand on this. Yeah, no, like, yeah, that was the driving factor. It wasn't, her concern wasn't, is school, like, is school working for you? Like, why are you doing badly? It's, you're doing badly. What will people think of your marks? <laughs> yeah. Which, we, even we that... did used to talk a lot about your marks over at school. <laughs> We're like, how's Dave doing? I don't know. It's the chemistry. It wasn't even that bad. Like, I did well in all my classes except for math. I would just Yeah, we were concerned. I gave up on math. Why does that guy hate fractions so much? <laughs> I just couldn't stand him. I was like, why are we breaking numbers down? This doesn't seem fair. Yeah, and whenever we'd like go by your house, we'd all just scream, Learn bed mass. Yeah. And like uh, you know, you're like, I'm trying. It makes no sense to me. Why don't you That's just right. do it in order? We're gonna uh-uh. we're gonna we're gonna uh Change over to the metric system, and it'll all be decimals, so we don't need fractions anymore. Hey, you wish, Dedrick. Dedrick loves the metric system. Dedrick loves the metric system. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think the value of well, John, we're gonna pound of John you. Waters. <laughs> we're going to say they're going to... They're gonna pound you. Pa- pound sign? Yeah. Well, because... No, it's like imperial. I'm just using imperial. Oh, so pound. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Missed out on that. Missed that. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad. <laughs> That's all right. I've already made the. I know you love over. the metric system. So I, damn yeah, much. I'm already. I'm already. You know, I think of myself in kilo or in kilograms. I, I'm in centimeters. You yeah, know. how many centimeters higher? I'm 184 centimeters. Mm, okay. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? I don't know. Maybe it's true. I'd say 185. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. My hair's kind of high right now because I haven't. Do you count your hair? You should. Okay. I think because if I if I get my hair standing up straight, then I'm taller than my dad. So yes, we should count hair. I would like to, if I am, if I, if I did do a physical, I would like to like have a little time beforehand to just stretch, to just like. <laughs> well, be- that's not. That's not. That's not something they discourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not something they discourage. But I just again, this is like one of my memories from uh, college. It was probably the most useful thing I learned in college. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, we, we were in dance class and we did all these stretches, mm. and then afterwards, uh, the guy uh, teacher. Uh, who I think maybe his name was Guy. Uh, no, it's not. It was another name, which I'm not going to say because I've said other things about him. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, all right, now measure your height. Like, Why? I don't know how tall I am. Yeah. Measure it. Like, okay. And we all measured our heights, and we were all like like a little bit taller because mm. we'd stretched ourselves out. And it was like, oh, that's interesting to know. Hmm. All right. We weren't slouching. Yeah, we are little slouchers. I mean, it still wasn't worth it to uh, stretch. Ugh, gross. But uh, it was just good to know <laughs> it's that the hardest ever... thing to do. Oh, it's the worst. I do it. I do it after every every time in the gym. I always end with a stretch stretching session. Um, Even Stretch Armstrong wasn't that good at no, it. No, he didn't. Like that it was either. his whole thing. It was, and he was bad at it. Like you thought, like he'll stretch more than this. Nope. But he was always bigger after he stretched. So he's taller. Oh, okay. I understand. <laughs> what are you? It's like where, where you were you very... stretching him? <laughs> <laughs> there are some, yeah. I had some fantasies. Yeah, and then the uh, and then the uh, nurse called your parents up and went, "We got news." They said, and what? they said, "We'll love him uh, no matter what." <laughs> they said, "What will the neighbors think?" Yeah, we'll we'll love him until the neighbors figure it out. <laughs> Mom and Dad, I'm going to marry Stretch Armstrong. What will the neighbors think? 
Yeah, these are. Uh, this was a generation that had key parties. I mean, what will the neighbors think? Well, you're showing the neighbors your nudity. Were, my mom and dad were not not part of that. So they were pre. Everybody says they it. were pre. Everybody says it. They were pre. Everybody thinks not my folks, but there were some parents doing oh, it. I, Who were the parents doing it? Yeah. How do you know it was? I do know. Parents? I do know some adults from that time period who were doing it, but they were younger than my parents. Okay. Um, my mom and dad were Elvis fans. They missed the 60s. They, they weren't Beatles fans. They weren't yeah. part of the 60s revolution. Right. They were the people complaining about the 60s you revolution. You don't think Elvis swung? Mm, maybe. Mm, yeah. 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 I mean. Elvis. 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 Yeah. Elvis no, I think, it was, I think it was pretty basic. Okay. I think it was pretty meat and potatoes. Or if you prefer uh, grilled banana. Sandwich? Sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a grilled banana. He didn't just eat a grilled banana. I forgot what I was saying. (laughs) I know. All of a sudden, he had a mild stroke in between. It was just like. I I was thinking, did he have peanut butter with that? Should I say peanut butter? Yeah, peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. Grilled? Sorry, grilled. Bacon. I think it was bacon as well. Oh, my God. I think bacon, uh, peanut butter, and banana sandwich. I can go with the peanut butter and banana, but not with the bacon. In fact, no, I didn't have a banana sandwich this week. I'm not actually that big on bananas. Okay. But I I could see like a grilled. Grilled peanut butter and banana sandwich being good, mm-hmm. like that sounds good to me. Like hot, the hot peanut butter. Yeah, the hot melting. peanut butter drips down and yeah. it does a nice job. Yeah. And you put a little sugar with your banana in there. That's that's helpful because banana. Or you could to be honest a, with you. Go a little honey. That's that's the way they used to play mm-hmm. it when I was a kid. Okay. They throw some honey in there. Somehow that was healthier. <laughs> some Rogers Golden syrup. Oh, good lord! <laughs> that was crazy, right? Yeah, my mom still has that. She, yeah, she loves it. I why don't you, would, why don't you sprinkle some Ovaltine on top? Just for the crunch. As someone who's, as someone who's, uh, yeah, I didn't grow up in a family of boys. I mean, I didn't, I didn't raise a family of boys. I okay, say. I was going like, yes, yeah, I didn't grow did. up in a family of boys. I didn't grow up. Dave, you did grow up in a family <laughs> of boys. I did. I meant to say, hey, I didn't. Where were you keeping the girls? I didn't raise a, uh, I didn't raise a, a, a family of, oh, you of boys. Oh, raised a family of girls. Sorry. I raised a family of girls, and, and it just didn't seem suitable as food for for. You girls. don't want to have girls eating bananas. I don't want. I know bananas are fine. Hot dogs, perfect. But no, no Rogers Golden Syrup. Okay, not can can go there. Why are you shaking I your head? Even, why wouldn't I? Don't I understand be? Why, why you wouldn't your head? I be? What's the problem? What did I say? Everything's fine. What did I say? I'd say there's too many things named Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> there's Rogers Cable. There's Rogers Syrup. There's Rogers Candy. There's too many Rogers mm. things out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's it's different like, family. The Rogers Sugar. Okay. Different family than the enough, Rogers. Enough with all the Rogers. Mm-hmm. And, like, just change your name to something <laughs> like Happy Time. Or but just make up a name. But what's funny is that Rogers, like Cable, yeah. wasn't here then. Yeah. There was no Rogers here at that time when Rogers when we were having a Rogers Golden Syrup as kids. That was, they were the wealthy family in British Columbia. What came first, uh, McLean's Magazine or McLean's Toothpaste? That's a good question. Excellent. It's actually not. It's not a good question. There's no, <laughs> there's no benefit to that question for anybody. It's a nonsense can I, question. Can I answer the John, Water, can I answer the John Waters question? It's a podcast question, but it's not a good question. Can I answer the John Waters question? Yes. I'm just going to say, I think that he still, he still acts as like an anarchic force in our culture. As someone who like actively promotes the idea of of danger and risk as something that should be appreciated okay and you know he feels like i don't think he complains about it like you know when i was uh younger but i think there's part of that in that in that divine documentary he talks about how you know when he grew up as a homosexual 
um, it was dangerous. It was illegal. You could get yeah. arrested for it. It existed as an underground thing that you had to seek out and and find like-minded people. And somehow you developed that sense, the same sort of survival thing that makes me know when people are kind. Uh, he could recognize when people were gay, you know? And so that's something that you develop as when you're growing up, like as a social survival thing, because you have to survive. Right. And also you want to have sex because you're, you know, with other, with other like-minded people. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about him as a, as a homosexual. Like that's part of, obviously that's part of it is finding other people who want to have sex with you because that's something you want to do. That's, you know, men and women are having sex. Why can't we also have sex together? It's, it's illegal apparently, but we're going to do it anyway. Sure. And I think that he, and in that documentary he talks about that and then he, he kind of says, I, I kind of miss those days. I miss when it was dangerous, sure, dangerous and illegal enough. and made you different. Yeah. And, it, you know, you were an outcast. And people didn't like you, and they spat on you in the streets, and you, you your parents despised you, and yeah. all the rest of it. I'm and sure there's a lot of people that miss uh, like uh, the wartime. You know, it's like, hey, we're all bonding together, yeah. we're working together, yeah. and all this, this, this. So war is good. No, war is a nightmare. It's a freaking nightmare. You yeah. don't want that. I'm but, sure that but you enjoyed it because you were young during it. <laughs> yes, that's like. Part of would it. you enjoy? Like, if you said to him, like, and would you enjoy that now yeah. as a fellow in your seventies? No, but but yes, you would enjoy it back yeah. when you were younger. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. things are better when you're younger. Yeah, yeah. No, that's for sure part of it. I mean, and you you just miss whatever was in your past for as sure, well. Sure, you know, because I don't. I mean, you know, it was like not that fun when I was doing it, but I, you know, I sometimes look back at like being a farrier and I go, oh, I miss doing that. You know, I miss showing horses. And then I think about it more closely and I go, No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, it's like, well, I do that can, at all. You can do it again. No, nope. it's like, nope. ooh. I don't want to do it anymore. I would say, uh, to answer my own question, now that I've had uh, two podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, what, does he, what value does he bring? Well, you had, uh, you know, he was an example, definitely, of like rebellion. And, you know, you don't have to play by society's rules. Mm-hmm. And you can have a certain amount of success, yeah. even if you don't play by society's rules. I mean, this is a guy who was on The Tonight Show, and he was a celebrity, and mm-hmm. he was like, uh, you know, front of the line at uh, all the clubs. Um, and I think uh, now uh, it's kind of like the Dan Savage, it gets better thing. It's just like, okay, so what happens to a fellow like that yeah. when he is now in his 70s and in his senior years? And you look at him and just go like, yeah, he's having a good life. He's still having fun. Well, he's, and yeah, but like, you know, you can have a life where if you are yourself, mm-hmm. you can, you know, he's he's wealthy, he's uh, he's uh, loved, yeah. uh, respected, mm-hmm. and, you know, but, but, but also still really, you know, he's got the good creep vibe. Like he can, <laughs> uh, he can be a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. You know, he yeah. can still be strange. Yeah, he can he's still, still be this in yeah. your senior. So it's like. You know, that's a nice thing to look, to look forward to is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can still be myself when I'm older. Because you, you picture yourself like, what's it going to be like for you when you're 75? Well, I'm going to be settling down in the old rocking chair. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, no, yeah, you could be John Waters. You yeah. can go out and party and be in movies and, and do things and make movies and yeah. write things. And, and when you need to go to Los Angeles, you hitchhike from your home. Yeah, you can hitchhike around the country if you want. Knock yourself out. That's what he does. Yeah, absolutely. He wrote a book about it. It's actually a pretty good book. Yeah, yeah. And then you can go on talk shows and talk about it. Mm-hmm. How, do you like that? Yeah, that sounds great. Or just go swim in your damn pool and relax. <laughs> and also you're a celebrity and people love you. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. there you are. I mean, he's a celebrity of a certain stature. Like, there's lots of people who would have no idea who he is. Good. 
That's the best kind of celebrity. celebrity, You want to be the celebrity where you're a celebrity in a certain environment. And then when you step out of that environment, you can just be a person. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's what you want. The ones that go nuts are the ones that can't. Yeah. Ever escape their their lives. Going shopping is impossible because people Mm -hmm. are staring at you. Just staring at you the whole time you're looking at stuff, you know. Who was the fella uh, who was in um, some like it hot with uh, with um, uh, lem- lemon? Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis. So Tony Curtis, you know, there's a guy mm-hmm. who we think no one's more famous than Tony Curtis. Tony yeah. Curtis. Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis. Yeah. But like you know, when in his like later years, he can go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. walking around, get some get some apples, do sure. what he wants to, walk down the street. And then go back to his place and paint some paintings and whatever. <laughs> and then when he wanted to, he could go out and be Tony Curtis. Yeah. And they were like, gee, it's Tony Curtis. Yeah. And it's like, that's a good, that's a good degree of celebrity to be. Mm. There you go. Fantastic. But and whenever, you know, I uh, you know, people are complaining about fame, listen, it'll wait five years, literally five years. <laughs> yeah. Tell me someone who, if you stop doing stuff, this this ain't gonna go away. Within five years, and you're going to be able to like walk around and be fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're hungry for you know the other elements of it and the fame, then yeah, yeah, it's going to be uh, you know it comes with this as well. It's not great, but you know if you want it to go away, it can go away. Yeah, and it will go away. Probably go away anyway. Don't worry about that. That's fine. That's the easy bit. Yeah, and if you try and cling to it, it makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you insist on your fame, I'm thinking of Madonna. I don't know why. She seems to be someone who insists on her fame. You know, like, don't forget me. I did this. Sure. They're only doing this because I did it first. Yeah, she's had to fight every step of the way. So, you know, and constantly change and constantly. Yeah. Is, uh, is Cher similar? Because I could see her being a very similar example to someone like Madonna, of mm. someone who had to, like, was constantly evolving and changing yeah. and trying different things. And, like, you know, she's half of you know a a, a musical group okay and now you're a variety show person okay and then she worked her way up to like an academy award-winning actor you know in multiple films i'm like oh okay oh but i'm also we'll do this really sexy weird like video and i'm still singing oh okay yeah and then just like just keeps going i'm gonna cause the auto-tune revolution yeah yeah and then just keeps going and you know i could see madonna looking at Cher and going "Mm, okay you can be a lot of things but you got to be keeping keep going yeah yeah keep keep it working i mean Cher's still in damn movies is she yeah she was in that uh latest uh i think mama mia one i think she was like the mother of uh meryl streep's character that uh passed away or what have you meryl streep's character passed away i think that was the basis of the last one yeah oh really Mm -hmm. they couldn't get meryl streep she's not that hard to get just a lot of movies. All right. Try and get her for next week's show. I'll <laughs> get on it. We were wondering something about Meryl Streep the other day. Me and uh, my wife, as we were in the backyard, having a talk. Having a talk. That's nice. Uh, one of my wife's biggest regrets is she had a chance uh, when she was young to see Raul Julia and Meryl Streep in Taming of the Shrew in Shakespeare in the Park in New York. Wow. And you can see um, uh, you can see a production of that on YouTube. You can see... Uh, or sorry, they 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 videoed uh, one of them, and it's brilliant. And then we were saying to each other, as mm-hmm. we do, mm-hmm. um, did Meryl Streep ever do any Shakespeare after that? She's considered one of the greatest actresses in the world. Yeah, Shakespeare's one of the greatest writers. Mm-hmm. After that, anything like in terms of movies or in terms of actually theater? I'll go either. I don't know. I don't know her theater career very well. Yeah, yeah, but movies then. It's weird because there's been so many Shakespeare movies, mm-hmm. and you'd never get to a Meryl Streep in one of them. Yeah. Hmm. And yet she does 
she 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 did a production of you know Taming of the Shrew. That's not out of her wheelhouse. It's mm-hmm. just something that never. And then occasionally you go, oh, she was in. And then of course a second later you go, that was Glenn Close. That was Glenn Close. <laughs> That's right. She was the mother in uh, Mel Gibson's Macbeth. No, that was Glenn Close. I don't think it was Glenn Close. I don't know who it was. She was Cruella Deville in. No, that was Glenn Close. <laughs> was Glenn Close. Yeah. Um, yeah, Meryl Streep. Has a, Meryl Streep has an interesting career because. It's kind of front-loaded. Like, her acclaim is the beginning of her career. Mm -hmm. The rest of her career is the rest of her career. It's kind of having fun. It's like postcards from the edge and kind of weirdo things like that. But it's very odd to have an Academy Awards where she's not nominated for something and watch her lose. (laughs) She's won enough. Every time. She's like, and, ha that's good. All right, fine. She's got the nod and what are you going to do? And, yeah, that's fine. Does she get nominated? I guess. A lot. Hmm. I guess it's habitual now for people to nominate her. They just feel like she's the greatest actress. I, you know, yeah. I don't know if she is or not, but that's the kind of the consensus, I guess. So people feel like I better I don't know vote if she's for her. The greatest actor, but she's uh, she's you know I can't think of anyone that I would go is better. Mm. Let's see, let's see. Who's there. better than Glenn, uh, than Meryl Streep as an as an yeah. actress? Yeah. No, I mean I don't know. It's hard. It's too, like it's hard to. I mean, it's subjective, right? It's hard. It is subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who's Consistently, that amount. Holy smokes! How many? Da da da. Mm-hmm. Let's see. All right. She's uh, uh, she's been nominated for an Academy Award twenty-one times. Yeah, but and I... uh, thirty-two Golden Globes. She's won three Academy Awards. Sure. She's won eight uh, Golden Globes. She has been not. Uh, she's got two British Academy Film Awards, Screen Actors Guild Awards, yeah, yeah. three Emmy Awards. Are we judging this by the amount of awards they got, or just as a subjective? Who do you prefer? When you've as an won actress? 21 Academy yeah. Awards, when you've been, been nominated. nominated 21 times for an yeah. Academy Award, I think we can. I think we can judge based on that. That's well, that's more than luck. That's she. That's she definitely won at a time. She won it. She won before they were like lobbying for for people to be winners. Okay. You know, it was kind of more like people were like, "Oh, that's an amazing performance." So she won for the Deer Hunter. Okay. Let's she won for French Lieutenant's Woman, French Lieutenant's she, Wife. She won called? for Kramer versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice. Oh, Sophie's Choice. Oh, and for The Iron Lady. So oh, she so that's a pretty recent one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a recent one. Huh? Wow. Yeah. The most recent uh, nomination was for The Post in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, she's very good. She's very good. I won't de- I'm not going to deny it. And she's one of only 13 performers to win an Oscar in both acting uh, categories as in like Supporting and lead. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, one of only three performers to win three Academy Awards across the two acting categories. Uh, Ingrid uh, uh, Bergman was one. Okay. And a male actor was the other who was one for uh, three times uh, for both um, lead and uh, supporting. Hmm. What would that actor be? Who would that actor be? Who, went who would for that both? actor be? Can I ask him a couple questions about this? Please do. Are they... A recent actor, or are they more like a classical? Cla- uh, th- classic consider actor. a classical actor, uh, yeah, a sort of of same era as uh, Meryl Streep. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. would it be Robert De Niro? It is not Robert De Niro, oh. though you're not in the wrong ballpark, and it's not <laughs> Harvey Keitel. Uh, Al Pacino? It is not Al Pacino. Oh, uh, God damn it! Leaving you one actor remaining. <laughs> is that right? From the uh, the, the greats? Oh, Jack Nicholson, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, why would I think anyone else? Because Jack Nicholson. Yes. Yep. He's one. Um, it's funny because Mary watched. I don't know why she watched it, but she. Oh, I think it's Nancy Myers related. She watched uh, 
Terms of Endearment. Okay. And because she was watching all the Nancy Meyer films because of uh, Blank Check. And she didn't think much of it. Okay. She didn't like Deborah Winger's character in the movie. She didn't like Shirley MacLaine's character in the movie. And she didn't like Jack Nicholson's character in the movie. Okay. She also thought... How did she like the blooper reel? <laughs> she also thought that uh, uh, Jeff Daniels is in it, right? That he was is he? Oh, okay. also a bit of a jerk. I mean, she's not judging the actors, just the, judging the, the characters. Right. She just didn't enjoy it as a thing. And I, I said, yeah, it's an odd movie when you watch it. It feels... It doesn't... It's just an odd movie. Like, it's very tonally odd, I think, that movie to, to me. What is interesting about that film is apparently... Um, Deborah Winger was like a monster during the making of that film. Mm. Like just treated Shirley MacLaine horribly during it. She would do things like, well, Shirley MacLaine would be doing her acting, like it would be acting. Deborah Winger would like crawl up and start crawling up her, between her knees. Ooh. Yeah. Like apparently she thrives on conflict on a set. And okay. uh, Shirley MacLaine thrives on being a professional, getting the job done. Okay. <laughs> like most like most old, older actors who come out, come out of the... The old days where it's just kind of like, well, you just show up and act, right? Yeah. Which is rarer now, I think, although there are actors who do it that way. Apparently, Robert Pattinson found acting with uh, Willem Dafoe on The Lighthouse very frustrating. Because he had, well, Pattinson had done a lot of research into his character and had done a lot of, like, you know, thought of, you know thought about it. Whereas Willem Dafoe just showed up on the day and just, okay, let's act. And Pattinson's like, well, okay, we got to figure out what our characters are. and stuff. No, let's just act. That's fine. We don't need to do anything more. You know, I am this character, you're that character, let's yeah. do our parts. It's kind of an interesting conflict, I guess, that idea of... And then neither, I don't think one's wrong and one's right. I think it's interesting as a... No, it's all... Here's here's what it comes down <clears throat> to, to me. It's like, whatever gets you out of your own head. Yeah, whatever, yeah. However, however it works for you. Yeah, and if it, that means you've got to, like, be in the role in your head for time and <laughs> only be addressed as your character's name, that's fine. Or if you can just, like, come into it... And just like flick a switch in your brain and just mm-hmm. go, now I'm this guy. Yeah. That's fine too. But whatever gets you out of your head and into this, yeah. then, then you're fine. When uh, Johnny Lee Miller did Train Spotting, no one, no one in the cast knew that he wasn't Scottish because he was Scottish the entire time they did the movie, off camera and on camera. <laughs> uh, okay. I he, guess. Wasn't, he wasn't the character. No. But he was Scottish. He kept yeah. the accent the whole time he did. I could see, I could see how it would be tough to like go out of the accent and then come back in. You mm-hmm. need like a big running start to like keep it. Yeah. So you might as well not use it. That makes some sense, but oof, that's weird, right? Yeah. Like it's weird to have to do that at the end of the at the end of the film when the, the when his part was done and they went, you know, Johnny Lee Miller leaving the set or whatever they say, and people applaud. And then he spoke to his castmates, and he spoke to them in a British, British accent, and they're like, "Oh, thought you were Scottish." <laughs> I always want to like uh, this is my jerky uh, thing. Like when you hear someone like Tom Holland, right? Mm. And uh, and uh, they do the Spider Man movie, sure. and uh, then after you see them in interviews, and they got the British accent. Yeah, you want to just like whisper to them, you know, you could just talk normal all the time. <laughs> like wow, like the rest. Of, here's the thing about British people. Yeah, they don't have an option. Yeah, but you could. So I don't really get why you're doing this. Like, just talk normal. Like normal North American. Mm. You know, the way people should talk. Like you like I obviously there's some people they don't got a choice. You and McGregor, oh he tries to t- I mean, you could just tell it's really hard mm. for him. Yeah, it is. 
But uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, you sound nearly like, impossible. Oh yeah, howdy y'all! I'm from New York, y'all. I'm like, all right, he's trying his best. I'm from Boston. There's a reason he doesn't get too many lines in shows. Um, you know, he's getting to wave his hands and look pretty and take his shirt off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, me being a bad person with that. Um, no, I would call it interesting. Oh, good. Being an interesting person. Uh, something I was going to bring up in the last show that uh, we did uh, seconds ago <laughs> uh, was uh, I was talking about how um, uh, the Batgirl movie got canceled. Yes. And uh, also... Which uh, fills me with regret. Okay. Like, I would have liked to have seen it. Okay, yeah. And it just seems a, like... That was not a response that I was expecting. It just seems... It was like, like, it fills me with regret. Yeah. Like, okay, like all right. I would have liked to have seen it, and now... And I I'm, can't see how you won't. I can't... The, the only problem is, like, if they show it, then they can't write it off, so that's the trick, mm. is someone's going to have to sneak it out. <laughs> that's really going to... What's going to yeah, have yeah, to happen. It's so. going to have to sneak out. Because the second that they make money off it, they can't make it a write-off, mm. and they got to make it a write-off to make, you know, some uh, money back off it. But, yeah. What were you looking forward to about it? I don't even know anything about it. This sounds interesting. Yeah, I was looking forward to just seeing it. If it was well done. Michael Keaton as Batman sounds good. Mm. Yeah. I was not a big fan of of that Batman, but... Okay. But, um, no, I'm just, you know, it's a movie. I like like to see it. And I feel sorry for the people who worked on it. Like, a lot of people... I mean, what they got, a crushing! Sure, sure, they got paid for it, but at the same time, you want you, know? you <laughs> want your work to be out there. Yeah, and then hopefully make more movies. Like not just it. not just yeah, for sure, not just the director and the actors and stuff like that, but all the you know all the people, all the crew who worked on it, all the people who put designed the costumes and made yeah. all these costumes for it. So much work, and all the people who did makeup effects, and then all the people who did CGI on it. Like you're looking forward to this day when you can see all your work on the screen in front of you. Okay, well let's let's look at it. Let's let's go this this route then. Mm-hmm. So say you've got a movie. Let's call it uh, Catwoman. And say it stars Holly Berry. Okay. And like you're uh, a movie uh, company and you watch this movie and just go, oh boy, this was a mistake. <laughs> yes. So does it make you turn mo- into droopy? Does it make more sense yeah. to uh, send everybody out to promote uh, this thing uh, and then put it in theaters yeah. where humans will come and see it sure. and go, huh, this was all we. This we spent money on this tonight, yeah. Yeah. and uh, everyone's sad because they saw this movie that was mm. so bad. Yeah, D- would it have made more sense for them to just go, nope, suck it up, take the loss, don't put it out, or does it make sense at that, that just like put it out, put it out so people can see it? What's what's the better choice to make? Yeah, put it out, put it out. Okay, well that's sure. what they did. Okay, I mean, it, maybe they had no choice. I mean, part of having those characters is is the requirement that you make you use them. It's kind of use it or lose it in a lot of cases. I don't know if that was the. I don't think there was any shortage of Catwoman in movies mm. uh, that they were going to lose cat, the rights to Catwoman. Okay, I see what you're saying. With yeah, that, but I don't think I don't think I mean, so. Why we get an ex- She was she was already in like Michelle Pfeiffer like very shortly before uh, she was going to be. That was like ninety two, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think you have to use her more than every, every 10 years if you don't use like the riddler every 10 years you don't lose the riddler like it's mm. it's less okay. time than that okay but that's why they make those execrable uh fantastic four films is because they need to maintain keep the characters i guess so yeah okay fantastic four there's a good there's a good example okay uh so so hey we got a fantastic four movie <sighs> oh hey marvel that's fantastic let's take a look at it all right so it's this movie that uh, we just made oh okay let me take a look 
Oh, that's uh, absolutely a horrible, yeah. horrible movie. Uh, should we put it in theaters and have people go and promote it and uh, put money behind it and put it on billboards, or what should we do with it? In should that case, do? that case, yes, because that movie was not was not made by a single person. That movie was made by a committee that had, had executives all over it. Right? Yeah. I mean, the movie was reshot extensively, reshot. If you can judge by the wig that uh, Kate Mara is wearing in the movie, and so you, there's a lot of ego invested in that film and so yes they're going to release it because in their minds and they're wrong because they're not actually artistically artistically minded people but in their minds they have saved this film like josh uh josh trank turned in a piece of garbage mm-hmm. we have rescued this film okay and everyone has to see this great job we did okay and then they did yeah it was just kind of bad and then they, they didn't give ben grim pants <laughs> it was made of rocks I know, but you kind of hope that he have, yeah. you know, the poor guy. Like, he lost so much, yeah. but he also lost his genitalia. Well, like, no, just he, put he had a nice pair of boulders. There you go. Uh, they also uh, stopped production on the sequel to uh, Scoob. Scoob. Was Scoob good? I never saw Scoob. Uh, it was good enough that, like, they wanted to do a sequel. Okay. Like, it was, it was, it was reasonable. So what is, so what is Scoob going to be like, Paul Dini was going to be the uh, uh, screenwriter for it. Okay. And it was going to be like a story of uh, Scooby-Doo Young. And he already wrote this. I mean, this movie is almost finished, wasn't it? So Paul Dini was the screenwriter on it. Yeah, I assume so. And he got paid for it. He I'm, just, sure, I'm sure everyone got paid. He's just not going to see. Everyone's, everyone, he's not going to see the fruits. He's not going to see the fruits of his labor. Yeah. Paul Dini has money. He's fine. Yeah. As far as I know. Every time I've seen him. He looked fine. He's never asked me for money. He wasn't. He I'll, wasn't give, I'll tell you this. Yeah. He's been a very nice fella to me. Sure. He has never once gone, hey, buddy, got, yeah. uh, got a 20 on you? Yeah. And I'm like, oof, here you go, Paul Dini. Yeah. And I give him a $20 bill. Sure. And he goes like, yeah, okay. thanks. And I he goes, go. sucker, and then runs <laughs> off. I, I got to go to the hotel restaurant. I, that They're clearing the breadsticks off the table soon, so I got to get in there and get yeah. some before they... And then like uh, he goes, uh, my wife will pay you back. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I turn to his wife, who's like... Uh, uh, amazing uh, magician, and then she hands me like uh, fifty dollars. I'm like fifty dollars, and he went like he wanted you to have fifty. I'm like oh wow, and then I look in my hand later on, and it's uh, you know it's just spit. <laughs> and it's like wait, is she a magician or a or a psychic like Andy from Firestarter? No, no, she's a she's a magician, but okay. she could replace uh, you know a fifty dollar bill with a spit. Okay, and you wouldn't uh, seems, you know seems a bit she's very good. Seems a little gross though. She's yeah, she's a little gross. Yeah. Uh, here's here's the thing I feel though about this must have been pre-COVID. Yeah, maybe. And look, I want I want Paul Dini to have all the best things. Yes, I want everyone to have all the best things. Yes, but here's my feeling about sure. uh, Scoob Two. Okay, which was like it was like ha- the, the haunted mansion the or something. It was what's that? Scoob Two: The Awakening. The Awakening. Um, that's enough Scooby Doo. We're good. <laughs> So, so actually, that's enough. You that's are, enough. Scooby-Doo. You're willing to take the hit on Batgirl. Yeah, I just haven't so had enough Batgirl. Like, just so there's no more Scooby Doo. How though. many how many Batgirl movies have there been? Here's the thing. No, Dave. Honestly, how many Batgirl movies? There's been none. Exactly. There's, how many? Well, I'm going to ask you now. How many Scooby Doo movies have there been so 4, far? Four thousand. Literally forty five. Thousand. There has literally Thousands. been literally yeah. forty five Scooby Doo movies. Okay, there have been. Uh, uh, that's not counting the forty six short films. That is not counting the thirteen TV series. That is not counting the six television specials. Yeah. Well, they've milked that dog dry, as one does. Yeah, and direct to video thirty six. Jesus, thirty six. Yeah. Uh, how many? Hey, how many plays do you think have been yeah. made of Scooby Doo? 
How many live plays? How many? Six. 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 That's difficult. How many stage. video games? 20. We're done. Look, the, the amount of, of, of television shows yeah. and films. Yeah. Do you know who hasn't had that amount? World War II. <laughs> World War II is second after Scooby-Doo in amount of, we've covered it already. Yeah, yeah. You've got, there's no more, there's nothing more to hit. Yeah. There's no more beats to play. You can't t- give me another Velma story. There's yeah. been a Velma th- spinoff. Yeah. I've, I've gone deep dive on Velma. I'm sorry. I said there was a Velma spinoff. I'm full of shit. Yeah. There was like another one with her and Daphne already That's as well. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. multiple Velma spinoffs. Mm-hmm. We're good. We've had uh, Cabin in the Woods. We've had the parody, a deep dive. We're good. We're good. We're good. There's no need for any more Scooby-Doo. We've covered it all. It's all covered. The irony of the, uh, the, the kerchief. On Fred, we're good. We're good. Everything. Why is it ironic? Because, like, why has he got a freaking kerchief? Why does he have it now? Because it's limited animation, so you need that so that the, yeah. they don't have to have an That makes there. sense in the yeah. 60s when someone might have had one of those. Mm-hmm. And then in the 70s a little bit. Then 80s makes no sense. 90s really <laughs> makes no sense. Knots really makes no sense. Now it's coming back around. Mm, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good without Scooby-Doo. You obviously haven't been on, on Instagram where all the millennials, or Gen Y as they're often called, yeah. are... Uh, we're in Ascots. Fantastic. Listen, give me a Grape Ape movie. Give me a Grape Ape movie. Give me anything else. Give me give me something else. So I feel like fine. I feel like they were realizing you're right. They're like one of the, one of the, one day the executive looked in the mirror and looked at himself and said, "What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, uh, Why are we making another Scooby Doo movie? He went into work. He's like, guys, I was thinking about this. Let's Scooby Don't. Let's Scooby Don't. <laughs> Let's not make a scooby-doo movie and everyone was like not wait did you say not make a scooby-doo is that possible can we not make a Scooby Doo? because we've movie? made 45 films we yeah, made yeah. 46 short he's pointing films. this out he's, he's memorized all these we've facts made 13 television he series he looked it up on wikipedia just like you yeah and he is we've made 15 comic series <laughs> and everyone's just like wow 20 I guess. video games and then everyone's like okay i guess we can pull the plug on it and then everyone looked around and went wait no we can't we can't just do scooby-doo because people are going to be upset that we would cancel Scooby Doo. That would like look really bad on us. We'll yeah. have to. We'll have to. Tra- we'll have to trash Batgirl too. I mean, it's a hit. Yeah, it's a hit. But we'll have to just to take the heat off. Yeah, to take the heat off. We'll take, we'll get rid of both of them, and everyone will be like, "Oh man, Batgirl." Be like, "Oh, that's gonna be terrible." We won't see Batgirl, and then and no one will realize they also won't get to see Scooby Doo. You know, if it if it takes awakening. getting rid of Batgirl to get yeah. rid of Scooby Doo. Yeah. All right. That's fair. It's. I mean, it's hard, but it's fair. Here's how many Scooby-Doo movies there's been. James Gunn did two of them. Two! <laughs> James Gunn! He wrote two of them. Yeah, two. Yeah. yeah. Two. That's t- two. It's two too many. Yeah. I know a guy. To be honest. I know a guy. Listen. Yeah. I know a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. His name's Peter, <laughs> nice. Peter New. Okay. He's in uh, the Scooby-Doo movie that James Gunn wrote. Yeah. And you think like, well, that's fine. That's all the Scooby-Doo's he needs to be in. He's just a guy. He's yeah. just some guy I know. Sure. He's in another Scooby-Doo thing. He's in Scooby-Doo meets Supernatural as well. Yeah, he's in that. Hmm. He's got a big part in that. I don't want to say who he is in it. I don't want to say, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. It's a big part in that. Okay. He's in two things. And that's just a guy I know. Just a random guy I know yeah. is in two Scooby-Doo things. Okay. Oh, so it's a, uh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's just random. And that's how Scooby-Doo has infiltrated our lives. <laughs> There's nothing more to be said about Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's Scooby-Doo's world. We just live in it. Yeah. Okay. 
I think yeah. he's yeah. had he's he he's he, he's run a laugh Olympics. <laughs> he's run the Olympics. Yes. That's how much he's done. He's just well, keep name anything and he's done it. Yeah. It's, we're good. Has he flown a plane? Of course he has. Yeah, you're right. He's in 20 video games. Do you Why think do there's think? any of those video games like there's one uh, not one of those video games where he's in a plane? Yeah. He's clearly in a plane sure. somewhere. My favorite video game, Call of Scooby. Not a bad joke. <laughs> I'm looking up Scooby-Doo in a plane. Thank you for your grudging respect. Not only is Scooby-Doo in a plane. Yeah. Yeah, there he is. He's in a plane in uh, the Scooby-Doo movie that was written by James Gunn. In a dress uh, in the passengers. You know, with the passengers. Yeah. Uh, but also there is a plane with Scooby-Doo on the side of it. Of course, of course there is. <sighs> Listen, that's enough. It was it was fine. It was fun. Yeah, we're done. Sure. There's no more angles on Scooby Doo that you can have. Is that in that one? Is it uh, Scooby Doo Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol? Yes. Is that the one he's hanging on the side of the plane? Damn it! I just thought of a good idea for a Scooby Doo thing. <laughs> no. You're doomed. Shit. You shit. I thought of a good plot. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. Yes. Ask me if I've written Scooby Doo. Have you written Scooby Doo? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a Scooby-Doo comic. I'm just some person. Yeah. I have no interest in writing Scooby-Doo. I couldn't avoid it. Was it not one of your dreams? No, that wasn't a dream. It was like real. No, but wasn't it one of your dreams of your life? Like to, like something you wrote in your, like, on your... Nightmares. It was one of my nightmares. (laughs) nightmares. No, like your, what do they call that thing where you visualize your... My my dream board? Your dream board, yeah. Yeah, no. It was vision board. Vision (laughs) board. Vision board, board, I'm sorry. And I wrote it in my dream journal. I I know what you're saying. I'm thinking of your vision quest. Joe Joe Staten uh, drew it. Oh, wow. I really like Joe Staten. Sure. He drew it. And I'm just a person. Randomly. And uh, have I written Scooby-Doo? Yes, of course I have. Yes, you have. Because you have. Um, Here's the plot that you would do. Okay. Something occurs. Sure. For whatever damn reason. Because sometimes magic exists in this world. And sometimes it doesn't. Okay. Scooby-Doo. It's always magic. Scooby-Doo gets turned into a person. Yep. All the others get turned into dogs. Okay. We get to see what's, what what, uh, what Shaggy looks like as a dog. Sure. We get to see what all of them look like as dogs. And then they all, like, over time go, you know what? We treated Scooby bad. <laughs> and Scooby uh, gets Do you think they n- treat him badly? Oh, yeah. They're always using him as bait with Shaggy. Mm. Yeah, they treat him like crap. <laughs> they treat him like crap. Uh, and and they feel and they they feel bad, yeah. But they're all happy to like be running fast, yeah, yeah, uh, and and that kind of thing. And yeah, Scooby has to figure out what it's like to be a person. He he's happy at first that he can go into any store and buy any amount of food. Sure, sure, he enjoys that. Yeah, uh, but yes, I found, here's how many here's 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 how many Scooby Doo things have, have there been. Has there been one starring Vincent Price? Yes, Vincent Price was a co-star in one of the series. Yeah. 13 yeah. Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yes, I remember that one. Vincent goddamn Price. It's awful. I just named a guy randomly, <laughs> an actor, and he's in there. Sure. Yeah. Next, uh, thing you, next, thing you'll be, next thing you'll be telling me that Paul Lynn was on the show. Yeah, let me just say someone randomly. Like, like the most obscure, weird, like in no way. I don't know, fuck. Uh, Mama Cass. Let me see if she's ever been Never in been Scooby. On that yeah, there show. you go. Oh, she was on it. Okay. Yeah, she was. Uh, opera singer, uh, Bever- Beverly Sills. Beverly Sills. Yeah, Beverly Sills was on a Scooby Doo. I know. <laughs> there was a time when there was an attempt made to to make her like famous, like not just yeah. opera famous, but like yeah. culturally, yeah, famous. It didn't work. It didn't work. But I can see what they're going for. Yeah, they're like she's American. She looks like she grew up in Kansas. Let's try and make her famous. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke. Yep, Dick Van Dyke was that was there. Okay, Don Knotts. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Let me let me let me just go through the the names of the people who are on on the show. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. This is how long this is how long Scooby Doo's been around. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've mentioned an Academy Award winning uh, performer. Sure. That was uh, teamed up with Scooby Doo to fight ghosts. We mentioned them on this show so far. Who am I talking about? We have mentioned a couple of. Uh, they, they won the Academy Award. They won the Academy Award. We brought it up on this show. Okay. And they also, in the past, fought ghosts with Scooby Doo. Well, it's only could be Jack Nicholson. That would be Cher. <laughs> because it was Sonny and Cher. Oh, Sonny and Cher. Okay, that makes more sense. Right. Okay, so here's who's uh, here's who Scooby Doo uh, teamed up with. Okay. Don Adams. Mm-hmm. John Aston. Well, he was Gomez Adams. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 the Three Stooges. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sonny and Cher. Tim Conway. Phyllis Diller. Mm. I wonder if they tried to take her mask off. That would have been <laughs> so cruel. Ah! That's right. It turned out the villain was her husband, Fang. Oh, that the would be good. The name itself. If, is... Oh, they went up against Fang. If Fang became... Yeah, if Fang became a werewolf. <laughs> that would have been great. Sandy Duncan. All right. Who became like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type. Okay. Dick Van Dyke. Cass Elliott. Did you know that the actress Sandy uh, Duncan had a glass eye? She did. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if her animated character did. I used to do a mean joke about that. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Or it was like, uh, yeah, I bought this collector's item. Yeah. Check out this eye. I was told it was Sammy Davis. I look closer. Sandy Duncan. To which the answer is, that's still pretty good. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, by this point, I just don't think the audience would know who you're talking about. Okay. Here's another Academy Award winning actor that was on the show. Okay. But yeah. at the time, they were playing Pugsley Adams on the Adams Family. So it was the animated version of the Adams Family. Okay. They took the animated version of the Adams Family, put them on Scooby Doo. I see. Who was the Academy Award winning, I'm going to say actress? Okay. I'll let you know that much. Okay. Uh, who played Pugsley Adams? In the Adams Family TV series, and also played it, uh, played them on Scooby Doo, and she won the Oscar. I am going to double check. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, she won uh, two Academy Awards. What? Yeah, two Academy Awards and the honorary Cecil B. DeMille Award. Uh, she is currently fifty-nine years old. Oh, uh, and was in Infinite Movies and played Pugsley Adams. Who am I talking about? Won two two Academy Awards. Two Academy Awards. Was it infinite movies. Inf- infinite movies. And so many movies. Did a lot of TV, too. Okay. Did a lot of commercials, too. Okay. Back in the day. Yeah. Not anymore. Sure. Nope. Also yeah. a director. Hmm. I don't know. Jodie Foster. Oh. Should have guessed that. She played Pugsley Adams. That's crazy. Yep. Laurel and Hardy <laughs> teamed up with Scooby-Doo. The Laurel and Hardy or a Laurel and Hardy? Larry Harmon as uh, Stan Laurel, I'm not sure, uh, and uh, Jim uh, McGeorge as Oliver Hardy. So, ah, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. Pat Harrington played Mo in the uh, thing. Okay, so, uh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Robin and Batman, obviously. Sure. Uh, so, Robin was played by what DJ? It's Casey Kasem. Who also played? Shaggy. There we go. <laughs> That'd be interesting, seeing uh, Shaggy and, uh, and Robin talking to each other and seeing if you got any yeah. variation in the voice. Uh, Don Knotts. Oh, scared. All, all, all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jerry Reed. Okay. Uh, 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 and uh, Jonathan Winters. Wow. Who played two characters. Okay. He played himself. Yes. 
Also played another character, Maud Frickett. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Frickert. Sorry. I thought it. I thought. Uh, I thought there was the opera singer in, in there as well, but I don't see her. Oh, maybe I'm. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken. Yes, you uh, just Mandela affected the uh, whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Very good. If you say so. Anyway, so uh, Scooby Doo has teamed up with everybody. I'm just gonna say this about Scooby Doo. All right. This is my one one opinion, which is that the original series is great. After that, no. Nah. It got better. <laughs> no, is what you're saying. It did not get better because you cannot tell me that that series where they where he teams up with uh, the, the three three Stooges and the Adams family and Mama Cass, yeah, isn't isn't that Cass Elliot mm-hmm. teams up with Cass Elliot? Yeah. Oh my lord, that's just something. That's just so something. It does. It is interesting if you would uh, break down the Scooby Doo verse and just go like, so this means. That there's a universe where yeah. the Adams family exists and Batman exists. And if Batman exists, that means the super friends exist. And so all everyone's super friends have teamed up with exists. Yeah. Plus, this is also a universe where Laurel and Hardy are real and and the three stooges are also real. Sure. Yeah. Thank God Jimmy Carter didn't appear in it, or it would be in our universe. No. You're not gonna say oh. There's no way you can no. you can no, I can't. You can mention something, and then Scooby Doo, and then he would not uh, show show up. Oh no! The only reference there is uh, Sco- is in the Simpsons, where Scooby Doo can do do, but Jimmy Carter is smarter. That is the connection between those. Okay. Two. Okay. Oof. Yeah, that was scary for a second. Okay. All right. Almost brought it into our our universe. Yes. That would be terrible, because those characters are not, you know, they're not real. So, like, it's not a, it's not the real Laurel and Hardy. All right. I am going to now change topics a little bit and present you with something. Oh, okay. Thank you. So, uh, I want to give you this book. Thank you. Uh, it is by Julie Doucet, who uh, we know from uh, the Dirty Plot comic. Dirty Plot, yeah. Done by Drawn and Quarterly, as was this. Mm-hmm. This is also done by, uh, and it's called uh, Time Zone J. And uh, I tried reading it. Okay. And I physically could not read it. I see. Uh, you, need, you need glasses? No, I do need glasses. This is oh, true. Oh, okay. Not really for reading that much. Okay. Um, but the way that you read this yeah. is you read it. It was drawn from the bottom to the top, so you have to read it accordingly. Oh. So I'm just going to hand it to you and show it to you. Okay. And just let me know what your impressions are of it. And I'm right. not against it. I'm just asking what you think of Time this. Zone J. Yeah. Knowing that you have to read it from the bottom to the top. It's a true story. Uh, from her life it seems to be all heads wow well i can certainly see why you wow yeah um i'll read it or at least i'll I'll attempt to read it and i'll let you know what i think of it yeah i've got no problem reading manga Mm -hmm. where it's you know uh it's it's right to left yeah but it still feels kind of linear where this is kind of like choose your own adventure which for some reason reading uh down to up yeah is uh it's just Like my, there's something, there's something about it. <laughs> I was getting to you. Yeah, it's also that it's all heads. It's, I think it's just, and the fact that there's no like, like when you read manga, it's still like paneled. Yeah. So you have like panel, 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 panel. So you know like where to go. This is just like a random word salad with balloons every which way, and then yeah. you're supposed to like, like figure, figure it out yourself, like how you want to read it. Yeah, I'm not against the new, and I think like there's a bit of me that against is the nude. 
Yeah, I like the nude as well, okay. but also the new. Oh, the new. But sorry. there's a bit of me too that is uh, is going like maybe I'm a little jealous that I didn't think of this because I I enjoy uh, drawing uh, faces and I'm like oh I could do a comic that's just faces and not have to draw bodies or backgrounds or props or this that and the other and I was like oh oh that would have been uh, that's good to know uh, but. Uh, you know, maybe it's a really good story, and I just physically could not make my way through it. Yeah. So let me know uh, how, how you feel about that uh, book later on. So let me just pick up on what you're saying there. So yeah, pick up what I'm laying down. <laughs> let me just pick up what you're laying down there. Pick up what the rock is cooking. So when you, so so you feel like maybe you're a little jealous of this, and that makes you harder for you to read because you have yeah, a bit of possibly. envy. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's like, oh, oh, okay. So like, I used to cheat a bit with my comics and that i made the characters very like i saw once a uh comic by uh pat oh i'm blanket see this is what we were talking moriarty about. Uh, moriarty that's right okay and he did big head characters with little bodies yeah and i was like oh i could do that mm-hmm. because uh big heads i can draw the heads and they're very expressioned yeah. but the bodies will be smaller and i can put less focus on them and that i don't have to waste a lot of time drawing these bodies i can still make them gesture gesture and do things and that's fine but i don't have to deal with all that yeah and let me tell my story that i want to tell so i did and it seemed to work out okay okay and now i'm seeing this it's like you could just do the heads i'm like ooh, that's ooh, that's the stuff that's mm." (laughs) there used to be a comics uh strip like a that i used to read when i was a kid and it was just heads Mm. it was just heads and i was thinking boy you could just do that huh just do heads and you're and it's fine you could just do the jokes yeah Huh. Yeah. It's, it's good. <laughs> Which is, and then this part of me that just goes, learn to draw bodies. Learn to draw hands. Learn to draw. Yeah. So all of that plays in my head at the same time. Yeah. I, and then I go, I'm on page three of this story and I'm blocked because I keep going back to thinking about all these things and all these thoughts. What, what I'm interested in is that you, um, is the, uh, the idea of not liking something because you're, or not wanting to, to experience something because you're jealous of it. Yeah. That seems odd. Well, listen. I can see it. She's like, a much better artist than I am. Okay, let's go with that. Okay. But I, it's 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 like listening to a song that you go, well, I could do that. Mm. Or being at a restaurant and someone serves you some food and you think like, well, I could cook that. Mm. You know, that just takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Just like, why am I here? Why aren't I just playing my own song? Why yeah. am I listening to this song that uh, is something that uh, I could probably like make up? Like, wh- how many chords? Three. And he's just singing it slowly. Well, I could do that, you know, and maybe I couldn't, and I'm not, uh, pick, you know, it's it's playing the old, uh, you know, my kid could draw that, uh, <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah, which I know is bullshit, yeah, uh, but yeah, like you know, just looking at it, going like, hmm, yeah, and I I I can't break away from that enough to 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 settle into it and enjoy it and mm. and, and go to town. Maybe I can in the future. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, mean, I am curious to see your thoughts about it. Yeah, when I was when I was in my twenties, I could be incredibly jealous of other people's success, like success in things that I wanted to do. I could feel very jealous about that. But now, now that I've given up on all my dreams, I guess I don't really feel that way. Like I don't, I don't have like I'm not jealous of other people's success or whatever. I'm actually very ple- happy when people are successful. Me too. And Lisa's actually gets kind of frustrated about how like laissez faire I am about other people's success or the good things that fo- come come their way, and she's. 
you know, just be a little jealous, you know, have a little envy. Well, if you, if it's a motivator for you, and if it's not, it's not really. It's not. I think it's I think it's really a stop, a place to stop for me. I don't think it, I, I'm not driven by that. And mm-hmm. I'm not, listen, when I'm saying jealous, it's not, I wish anything bad mm-hmm. upon that or like. Yeah, no, but no, it is, but now that it, the tape recorder is running. Yeah, but it is like, uh, oh, okay, this was a, this is a way of doing something yeah. that I could do. And, uh, and I, it's hard to get out of my own head because I want to do more. Sure, sure. So like it puts me in the mind. Sometimes when I'm reading, I'm like, I could be writing. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough. And when I'm watching television, I'm like, I could be making something instead of like. Uh, absorbing something that someone else has made. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that. But, quite, you know, if I'm watching television, I don't watch a television show and just go, well, I could make a television show exactly like this. Like, <laughs> no, you, you couldn't. Yeah, you could not. You couldn't do The Gray Man right now. Maybe you could write the script. But you you couldn't direct it. So, but yeah, there's a bit of me that's just like, I could do a comic book where I could do this. I could be doing making things now. Hmm. Yeah, and that gets me in my own head, and then it it clogs everything up. Mm. Yeah, I saw a thumbnail for a YouTube video saying, um, "Here's why the Green Man is succeeded where the three fifty five failed." And I was I was like, you know, they can both fail. You know, like they're yeah, doesn't, that doesn't get you to click on a thing. Though. I didn't click on it, but I haven't seen. I would. I kind of want to see the three fifty five. I don't know how badly I want to see it. I assume it's available now for me to watch, and I have not. I haven't been. I'm sure Scooby Doo teams up with them at some point. You know what? There's always something on Tubi to watch. So yeah, that keeps me busy. Scooby Doo be on Tubi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of John and Quarterly, did you hear that um, Chester Brown's uh, "Paying for It" is going to be a movie? I heard that. I heard that um, Sukien is playing Sukien Lee. Yeah, is is a uh, erstwhile girlfriend. So, so, uh, but they they live together. Yeah, they not, live together. Not for like. 30 years or so, but yeah. No, they still live together. Do they still live together? Yeah. Okay. He lives in the basement. She lives on the upper floor of the, a townhouse or a condo kind of thing. Oh, okay. All right. A townhouse, I guess it would be, yeah. I didn't know if they were in a relationship. They're not in a relationship. They are or they they're are? Not. They're, they're not. They're not. Okay, all right. But they're still friends. Okay. After many, many years of... Mm-hmm. They were together for a while and then they're not together anymore. Right. I don't think he's the sort of person that you can be together with for a long time. We visited them once when they were together. Yes, it was very pleasant. And uh, had a chicken dinner made. Mm. And it was nice. It was a thank you because... um, You drove them uh, around. Yeah, we drove them to the island. Drove them to Vancouver Island. and then Where uh, uh, John Waters' mother uh, lived. She was waiting for us there. Yeah. And then uh, we we took them down to um, Seattle. And in both cases, it was great because we just got some reflected glory. People were very happy to see Chester Brown because at that time... I mean, he's still very well-known. By that time, he was hot. Hot, hot, hot. He was in the midst of doing Ed the Happy Clown, I believe, was still doing that. Or maybe he was doing Fuck. I can't remember which story he was doing, which became I Never Loved You Anyways. But yeah, he was kind of like the best. And everyone thought he was great. Mm-hmm. And so that was really kind of... And there was an interesting energy there, too, because he was very good friends with uh, Joe Matt and Seth. And mm-hmm. both of them were doing yeah. groundbreaking work at the same time. And so it was almost like a comic book crossover... 
but with autobio yeah which is just such a weird thing which is like oh there there's this interesting world yeah that's that's there mm-hmm. but, you know mm-hmm. yeah it was very strange because we also uh, once upon a time had like a, a dinner with uh, joe matt as well and to, to to me it was like sitting across the table from daffy duck it was just like someone <laughs> that i'd like seen in cartoon form yes. for so long yes and then like actual daffy duck is sitting across like and Daffy Duck is saying Daffy Duck style stuff because they really nail what they sound. They like. sure do. They have, they they had their own voice, right? It's as, as if they as knew. We've said like you know they they were our sneaky dragon uh, dinner that just kept going. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And like you know there'd be some point where someone brought up like smoked meat and uh, and jo- and Joe and it'll kill you. And I'm like, well, there's. <laughs> There's a thing, you know, it's just like, can we get out the bingo card? Yeah, that's right. There we go. And I believe, like, yeah, Ed Brubaker was there as well. So it's just like another person who was at the time doing semi-autobiographical. Sure. So it was just like, there's a lot of fictional versions of everybody at this table that I'm more familiar with than the real versions. Mm -hmm. It's just strange. What's interesting to me with Joe Matt is that his comics were presented as as immediate. Like, uh, there's immediacy to them. But they were actually like five years old in terms of the the, t- the time frame of the, him telling them. Okay. But they were presented to us in the comics as this is happening to me right now. What you're reading on this page, yeah, I experienced yesterday. Right. Very immediate. And yeah. now you are now you are reading it, and I, that was fascinating. And then, but to discover that they were five years old was also fascinating because then it made it interesting in the sense that he was able to tell these stories that seemed so you know, happening right now. But for the people that experience it, they've already process, processed this all and are on, in another place, including him, mm-hmm. supposedly. But I think he was kind of stuck in his life anyway. But everyone else in those stories is all, they've all moved on. They've all, they got other boyfriends who have other girlfriends. They've, yeah. had, they've had these other experiences. He is still ruminating over these events in his, in his book in great detail. Yep. You know, but everyone else is long gone out of his life and on other things. It's kind of curious, you know. That's very, most like Chester Brown's autobio stuff. There was some that were, that were like contemporary to him, to his writing. But it was like a one one shot comic. The one about, I can't remember the name, it was named after a person that he boarded with in a boarding house. Okay, yeah. And it was kind of telling the story of like him doing the, doing that, you know, doing some strip about it. It was kind of like very. Yeah, it was very meta. It was very meta. It was like about him learning how to do autobiographical comics yeah. in an autobiographical comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he took that and he took that into fuck, and then uh, and then on into his other stuff that he did. They were they were autobio before he dropped autobio completely and and went on to something else. But and then picked it up again later. Yes, I guess so. But paying for it is autobio, but it's more polemic. It's more of like it has a he's arguing a, a cause. He's arguing for prostitution, right? But but by telling his own story, sure, 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 and personalizing, it. yeah, yeah, as much as you know about it. Like, I mean, you have no idea what's real and what isn't. But you as can well. never do that in fiction. Yeah, you can never know how much. I was not sure. fiction, but out about yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. But the, it's a bit different than what he's doing in the past. Do you think that's what makes uh, it interesting? Yeah. Uh, what What did you think of uh, paying for it? The uh... it's a little too rote. For me, a little too by the book, almost like it just feels kind of like this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah, over uh, and over again. <laughs> I had a hard time getting past the faceless uh, women who are the sex workers. Okay, 
Uh, I get, I get the device for it, but when you're trying to, it should have been more. If you're going to do that, make it a generic person. Don't make it a non-human, because that seems so depersonalized. What he's attempting to argue is that, yeah, he has great relationships with these women. Yeah, and that there's, you know, visually isn't what you're showing, but it's not what you're showing visually, and so it 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 kind of, uh, and also it's a very cold book. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why I mean that's what I mean. It's very rote. Like it just feels very like that that that. And there's no there's no opening up about why these women are important or what what they brought into his life or what the what meaning there is. It feels very much like it is just a, a an exchange right. of money for for sex or money for companionship. If that you know. So what's the new yeah? What's the new factor you're introducing that we don't already know? Yeah. You know yeah. what's the what's the aspect? Like, and I mean, we, his argument is that it should be legalized, which I think it mostly is. But yeah, it's, mostly still, is, yeah. it's still illegal for him to do it. It's illegal for him to to in the way that he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it, I mean, the the facelessness is something that I don't think you'd be able to do in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that. I think that that will be stronger. Um, but like, it's so. I don't know how you tell that story without then, you know, uh, following uh, the women back to their lives and the other aspects of it. Because it's like a story about sex workers that isn't about sex workers. <laughs> that's about uh, a, a person's relationship with sex workers. Yeah. But like, what are you saying then? You know, what are you, where, 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 where are you going beyond that? Like, if you don't show who they are or reflect who they are, what are we doing here? <laughs> You know, because, yeah, we know you like to have sex with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not, that's not a mystery. So what's, so, you know, and it's, and it should be legal. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Why? You got an argument to be made about that. All right. (laughs) But, but I'd have to see how things are for them. Yeah. To know that that's true because the argument is not that. This is bad for you. Yeah. The argument is it's bad for them. And while I may not agree with that argument, I'd need to see their lives to have any opinion on it. Because how else? How else would would, would I would I know? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, to me, more effective was the book he did after that, where he was using biblical stories that involved prostitution. Sure. Because those stories have a purpose to having like someone who would would have been an outcast in the, in that culture. Right. And there's a reason for for their reason they're in the story. So like for instance, the Sodom and Gomorrah story where the 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 uh the person who's told that you know Gomorrah, that Sodom is going to get destroyed is a prostitute. Mm-hmm. You know, the angels come and tell her this. That's an interesting twist in that story because you in your mind you're like, "Oh, it should be a good person who would know this, not a person who's an outcast in a, in a cultural in a pariah in that culture." You know, and and a lot of those stories have that element to them. And some of the cases, Brown assumes a, pro- a prostitute in the story. Sometimes that is in the text. Other times, it's just a, you know, a, a, we can make that assumption. They're mm-hmm. not they're not named that in the story. But um, I just thought that was more interesting. Way hundred times more interesting than pay it, paying for it. It's weird too that you start off with them seeming like they feel like all well rounded people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, and I'm saying this, sorry, as like Joe, Matt, Seth, and yes, uh, and and Chester, and they in their off, stories, in their stories. When you when we enter into their lives and start to know about them, yeah, they start off with just like, uh, you know, he's in a relationship 
with this uh, artist woman, Sukian. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, really interesting, full full life. Uh, Joe Matt is involved with a woman that's a little uh, tempestuous, but there's pluses, there's minuses. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Seth has a little bit of a weird, you know, lifestyle, but he's kind of getting things together, and this is how he likes living his life. Yeah. And it's fine. And then as we progress over time, uh, I'm not really 100% sure what Seth gets into because Seth then moves on to doing Clyde fans and he's just telling stories of the past. Mm. And it and seems to be like, whereas he was living a life where he was dressed like it was the past and he had a lot of things from the past, then he then almost all of his work is in the past. So he feels almost like he's lost to the past. Yeah. Like he's almost a time traveler that's now stuck in that time. If you read uh, Palookaville, his yeah. Palookaville annuals that he was doing, there is autobio stuff in them. Okay. But he developed this thing where he has rubber stamps of himself, and he just uses rubber stamps to sure. tell the stories. It's easier; he doesn't have to draw it. Yeah. So you know, me walking, thump, <laughs> stuff like that. And so I find them. I find them a little dull because they're, they're not very expressive. Okay. You know, they're very repetitive. But does it seem like he's having a good life now? He's married. Okay. He lives with a woman who's a hairdresser. He designed her salon. Oh, okay. Um. You know, he does things outside of outside of art, outside of cartooning. He does, you know, he does book designing and stuff like that. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, because to me, like again, I didn't know about that. Of, just, the, you know. of them all, he seems to be the most centered. Okay. You know, Chester Brown is a bit of a weirdo. You know, he's a libertarian. He runs for mayor of Toronto occasionally. Right. You know, Seth obviously had a serious uh, uh, sex addiction issues. And also, just is creatively. This is you mean a, Joe Matt. Joe Matt, yeah, sorry, Joe Matt yeah. is a, in a creative morass, you know. Just yeah, it's a thing. It's like, yeah. and so as we've gone along, Joe Matt, you know, all his stories have like uh, evolved slash devolved, evolved, <laughs> yeah, into you know a lot of things about how often he masturbates, yeah, and and yeah, uh, there is no girlfriend, there is none of that, no, and so it's just this like room where he's peeing in a jar uh, for convenience, and yeah. you know. Uh, making porno tapes and like really editing them down sure. to just the scenes he wants because he doesn't want any man in them. Yeah. Or some such. Yeah. Like, okay, so that's him. It's like, well, that doesn't seem like that's gone in a good direction. <laughs> then, yeah, you see Chester, and Chester seems somewhat uh, focused and obsessed on yeah. certain things. Yeah. And, and, you know, is, uh, is paying for, paying for sex and trying to tell you why that's, good yeah and it's like okay maybe maybe it is maybe it isn't but yeah. and you know and again you're clearly still friends with you know the person and i guess so but it just looks like everyone's come to kind of a bad end like it's like it's not a it's not a pleasant story like yeah. it feels like everyone's obsessions have just taken over and they've they're not necessarily doing you know the same kind of creative things you yeah know, that they were yeah and it's like is this a cautionary tale? Because there's definitely one to be seen in there. I think it's all cautionary. Yeah, there was a, I mean, obviously like Chester Brown had, you know, underwater, uh, you know, for a brief period of time. Bit where, of a disaster. Well, I don't even know it was a disaster. I'm not artistically. I just mean for him, it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he had this story and it was like from a baby's point of view. So you wouldn't get 
the language, uh, like the language that was used, was kind of gobbledygook. Yeah. Uh, because you know the baby didn't uh, know the language, and you would learn more of the language over time, and you go through this baby's life. It's like, oh, that sounds like a really interesting idea, mm-hmm. and then I was like, no, nope, and quit, and got <laughs> done. And it was this feeling of like, well, I've been along for a couple of issues, and I feel like, hey, yeah. Hey, wait a second. I had to pay for all those issues. And like you're telling me we're not going to go anywhere with this story? No, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Okay, I guess you can, but hey, you know, you get one of those. Yeah. You know, and then don't take me for a ride and then drop me off. I think it was a little PTSD after doing uh, Yummy Fur for so long and then going, I'm going to quit doing Yummy Fur. Yeah. He went from doing this, uh, like a mix of biblical stories and comedy stories yeah. and there was so much to it and so much creativity I loved and so, it much, so much yeah. uh, uh, joie de vivre I was reading uh, through them a, a couple of years ago I read back through them all yeah so good yeah I read through the comics because you can't get that experience With vampires and Ed Broadbent yeah who was supposed to be Ronald Reagan but that changed it to Ed Broadbent and it doesn't look like Ed Broadbent or no, wait, it's, no, it's the other way around. No, that's right. It was supposed to look like, yeah, it's Ronald Reagan, but it looks like Ed Broadbent. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, and, and then went on to autobiography, autobiography, and it was like, oh, so good, so mm-hmm. well done, and so creative. And then branched out and just like drew some stuff for Alan Moore in superhero style. It was like, oh, I was just having fun and doing all this stuff. Yeah. And then it just all, all the fun drained out of it. Mm-hmm. And as you say, you know, with the, with the Seth thing, you know, stamps, uh, it doesn't sound super fun. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it feels just... like you're doing it out of obligation. Yeah. You know, like, okay, here we go. And so I was kind of curious with Julie Doucette's stuff. Like, oh, what's she going to be doing? Let's see where she's gone. Because I liked her art style. Yeah. Back in the Dirty Plot days. And she just won a major award uh, for that work, which feels weird that you win a major award 30 years later. But okay, fair enough. Let's see where she's up to yeah, now. Yeah, they got to promote this book. Yeah. And then seeing the book and going, okay. <laughs> okay fine it's just like yeah. all these people who were kind of the heroes of that time for me yeah uh hmm. yeah okay where's dan close i can't really read a lot of dan klaus anymore yeah yeah, yeah. it's just kind of all right. i still like it but it's usually it's usually it's not like fun, stories though. about weirdos who don't yeah. fit into society it's not fun anymore malcontents and just like all right all right but what what where's like the happy fisherman where it's like yeah, yeah. goofy side yeah. things as well. I hate you jokes. deeply and all that stuff. Those yeah. are also great. Yes. Where's the, Art school where, confidential. Where's and, the fun? Where's the... Mm. Yeah. And it's like, eh, okay. <laughs> What's Terry Laban up to? I really used to like Cud. Oh, he's doing like a daily strip now. Oh, like just about... Like a, just a regular daily strip. Oh, but like a little weird? No, just a regular daily strip huh. about a family. Yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I mean, everyone grows up, but I, th- I think... One thing I think for those, but the guys we're talking about, yeah. But then you get into like the John Waters type thing. It's like you can grow up and become more of yourself, yes, yes. Or you can grow up and kind of you know, dry up a bit. And, well, I think you can you can believe your own press, you know. And I think they got praised for stuff that they shouldn't have been praised for. You know, it's not the stuff that it's not that great or it's not that impressive. Mm-hmm. And people overpraise that element of them and and underpraise their their humor. Their sense of humor, which what made them really kind of fun, yeah, was that they enjoyed goof, goofing on each other, like making fun of each other in their comics. Yeah, they enjoyed having fun. They enjoyed doing whatever the heck occurred to them. You know, at, at, at the Happy Clown is just madness. Yeah, and the idea that they're making paying paying for it and not making at the Happy Clown is very depressing. Because remember how excited we were when there was like uh, there was like a shot 
that went around for a while because I think the guy who did, um, mm. I can't remember his name now, but he he directed um, Pontypool, but he directed uh, Hardcore Logo and stuff like that, right, right, right. was going to make a version yeah. of The Happy Clown. And there was like a poster yeah. that was made of it. And you saw that and you're like, oh, that looks dark and really cr- crazy. Like, that's great. They're going to make a movie with Ronald Reagan on someone's penis? I can't wait. And then uh, the only thing that would have made it better, Ed the Happy Clown, if they made the movie of Ed the Happy Clown, and then the post-credit sequence, uh, one of uh, one of the stories from the Gospels. <laughs> that would have been the best, right? Yeah. But it never happened, of course. It never came to be. And now they're making it, finally making it a Chester Brown film, and it's paying for it. I mean, and it's just going to be even more polemical, probably. You know, it's animated, right? Oh, why do you think that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. No, I assumed it was going to be... Oh, it was live uh, action? Well, I mean, um, uh, Suki and Lee did uh, Short Bus, which like opened with like just actual sex. Yes. You know, and uh, so I assume there's going to be actual sex in this. Mm. I can't see how that would not be the case. Okay. So, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be Short that. Bus was done 15 years ago, but... Uh, or yeah. more. I don't think that would affect... I don't think things have changed that much. Okay. You know. If you're gonna if you're gonna do something about sex, you're probably gonna do something with sex. And sure. I don't know. Maybe they'll. Is she playing herself in the film? I don't know. Okay. I do not know who would you get to play Chester Brown? Michael Sarah? Well, or is he yeah. too young still? Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Again, what when are we looking at? Like, yeah, you know, I'm just curious. What what era of Chester Brown are we doing here? Yeah. Huh. Who would have been good playing Chester Brown? I I know who I'd like to play an old Chester Brown. Who's that? Uh, Matt Furrer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the long, long face, yeah. Hmm. It was funny when he met Chester Brown, because he was wearing the pants that he always drew himself Oh, yes, in. yes. And it was like, hey. Yeah. Them's, them's those pants. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. But interesting. And it turned out that's all he wore. Yeah, but, you know, those are those <laughs> pants. <laughs> it's funny, like, I guess, I mean, I guess what made people like, like Chester Brown successful or, like, driven was, like, a monomania. You know, that is a kind of madness. And, you know, we re- reap the benefits of it, but they didn't. You know, they didn't reap the benefits of this monomania. You know, they, they're still like, you know, like someone like Seth is not only like an artist, but he also is an art piece himself. Yeah. You know, he's made himself into an art piece. It's something he talked about at the, when I, I went and saw him oh, a, yeah, co- yeah. a couple of years ago, he came to town for a piece that had been, someone had done like a musical, like an oratorio based on his, um, George, what was it called? George. I want to say Plath, but that's not right. right? George Sprott or George Sprott. Sprott. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so I've like got that. both of those books. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah, it's a good I book. Think isn't he a character in two books? I think just one. Okay. I think just one. All right. I could be wrong, but um, are you thinking of the uh, Brotherhood of Cartoonists? Or I think so. Yeah, I think he appears in. He's that. A, okay. He might appear in it, but I don't think he's the main character in it. Could be. But anyhow, because he's supposed to be like a TV host in a in a like a small town local host. Something that Chester Brown, of course, would be... Or not Chester Brown, sorry, that uh, Seth would be fascinated with. But during the show, someone said, um, why did you choose the name Seth? Mm. And he said, well, I wanted a one name name for myself. And I thought it was cool sounding. And he said, but I couldn't do it now. Like, it takes, like, a considerable amount of willpower to change your name. Like, because peop- all your friends still want to call you your name. Yeah. And you have to correct them all the time. Yeah. All the time. And eventually they will come around to you what you want. But it takes a lot of willpower to get there. And so I don't have that now. I don't have that drive. But, you know, his insistence on his name, Seth, yeah. on only wearing like 30s clothing, 
Like even when I met him, you know, he's wearing a suit with a yeah. rain jacket and a hat. And it was the summertime. Why are you wearing a rain jacket? <laughs> uh, his wife was less was less um, affect, uh, affected than he, or, you know, had less of this, you know, uh, style or whatever. But she'd still had like a style thing going on, but not 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 like not crazy like him. Um, you know, his his building of a of a town out of boxes in his basement. You know, he built the city of Dominion. Yeah. In his basement, out of packing FedEx boxes, boxes yeah. FedEx boxes, stuff that he got. Yeah, he made this town, which is to me is cool, but it's also kind of weird. But his insistence on wearing a boiler suit while he works, he doesn't just he doesn't wear you know, you know like I think he could go for enough if he wore like the old fashioned like clerk's arm thingies that would pull your sleeves up so they wouldn't yeah. get ink on them. I don't know what they're called, but they're like a little cuff that you wear on your bicep. Uh, that would be enough, but no, he has to like yeah. go downstairs and put on a, a boiler suit, a, a coveralls, I get, and draw. There's a bit of me that understands that. Like, I, th- I don't know if it was in this episode or the episode that we just deleted. <laughs> this one is recording, by the way, right? Uh, let me look. Fuck. Yeah. That a big portion of yeah. uh, of what you have to do to create things yeah. is get out of your own head. Sure. Then, then generate momentum okay. to the point where it's like easier to keep going than it is to stop. All right. All and right. that can just be your OCD going, I got to finish this page. I mm. can't just leave the page at three quarters. I got to, I got to do it. Yeah. But like to start it off is like, what do I have to do? I go downstairs. I pour a cup of coffee, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. yeah. But it's your routine. That's just like, I put on the suit. <laughs> when I put on the suit, what am I going to do? I'm not going to draw. I've got the suit on. Yeah. And now here we go. And you and it clicks your mind. I guess and your that muscle is a, memory that, starts. Yeah. It's a good. It is a good point. And actually, it's a good trick as well. Yeah. Like I used to say, what I've said before in the show, I used to, you know, be like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. This, and then I would just drive by the gym, and then the gym would be there across the street from me, and I'd be like, oh, I guess might as well just go because I'm it's right there. You're right there, yeah. So I might as well drive in, and then I would go in and and, and do and do my gym yeah. stuff. What do you do to trick yourself into doing the things that you do? Yeah, yeah. And you do, yeah. So, yeah, it is interesting thinking of all the people that we know that did autobio and were of that era, mm-hmm. and like, where are they now? How are they doing? How did it work out? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know we've got now that part of the story to to add to it, and you don't want to be judgmental about it, but there's a bit of it like, huh. Interesting. And like, how can I avoid certain, like, I've never, I haven't fully committed to the auto, like, I didn't keep just doing that. No, but you I, had, a, you had like a, you had a variety comic. Like I, when it started was, yeah. was a mix of funny, like humorous little bits. And then also some, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then like the stuff that kind of caught on with a lot of people was the autobio stuff more than the, when I get letters, I get letters about the autobio stuff yeah, more yeah. than more than the other things. And then, I also was doing like a, a weekly strip for a local paper, and sure. and so some autobio stuff made into that. <laughs> but uh, it's it's inter- it's interesting. I used to have this real discussion with my parents and a drama teacher I had, which was they said you've got to focus on one thing. You got to focus on one thing, yeah, and be really great at it because right now you're splitting your focus among too many things. Okay, and I think splitting my focus on so many things. Yeah, I haven't had like the extreme success in 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 whatever. Yeah, but it's kept me healthy. <laughs> like I feel, I feel somewhat, you know, not to, you know, obviously I've got problems, but I feel somewhat well rounded. Mm. You know, I think I've got friends in a lot of different areas. I feel like you know, if something starts not going well in one thing that I do, I can go to other things. Yeah. You know, I've been able to travel around the world and do a lot of things. And yeah, I don't feel that I've got that obsession that again, 
has 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 been a flaw in that it, it made me maybe not reach certain heights. Yeah. But it's also not eaten me alive and like hollowed me out and i'm not saying that that's the case with the people that we're talking about here but it feels like there's definitely a price to be to be paid yeah and you just see the sheer amount of people that have like mm, they become almost like a caricature of themselves yeah yeah, yeah. no it is, it is interesting it's a cautionary tale it's a con- it's a tale to consider <laughs> it's like is this worth it to you yeah and can you avoid certain things mm-hmm and and remain well rounded and and what have you, yeah. Ah. I mean, the, the fact is, is that what it, what drives you? I mean, it, it, you know, all these things we're saying we could say about Robert Crumb. You know, the the demons that drove him to draw what he drew and to to explore what he explored. Yeah. You know, have also affected him negatively. He got po- he had a lot of popularity. Mm-hmm. He's been very successful. Right. You know, he's very he's well known to a certain degree. Right. But he uh, is haunted by those things that pushed him to draw and pushed him to explore those things you know he also very smartly went to another country that <laughs> that understands what an artist is yeah and yeah. treats an artist in a very different way than we do in north america mm-hmm. which is how much money are you making what are you doing with that yeah did they make a movie out of that did yeah. they do this and it's like what's his deal oh he's an artist oh got it understood yeah understood that's what he is mm-hmm. uh he's gonna he's gonna sell like his sketchbooks when he's done and that's how he pays for things? Yeah. Ah, well, we're France, and we understand that. Oh, also, he likes sex. Oh, we're France. We understand that. He likes sex, eh? Yeah, sometimes he has sex, yeah. and not just with his wife. Yeah, we're France. We get that. So you basically went to a country where, like, all the flaws yeah. are just, eh, that's yeah. how it is. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. You're an artiste. Yeah. But, by he, the way, just so people people he, know, his wife also has sex with people that aren't just him. So sure, they and, share share. To be fair, share and be fair. Yeah, it's fine, fine, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, well, and uh, you know his uh, his uh, he's he's a family man, and he raised daughter, and the daughter seems uh, successful and happy. You know, I don't know as happy as people are. She's happy had some. And, she's had her demons, but she's yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. You know, uh, but like you know. Mm, there you his, go. his son unfortunately died in a car accident. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. He was a good artist as well, Jesse Crumb. He was a good artist as well. Oh, okay. he features in the film a little bit. I think. Oh, the movie Crumb. Yeah. Okay. I think because Crumb's relations with his with Jesse's mother were so strained, it made it difficult to for them to bond very much as father son as growing up. So. And he also there's so much goodwill to me with uh, with with our Crumb. Where you know he encouraged like Harvey Picard mm. to do his autobiographical stuff, yeah, and then you know and drew that, some of the best ones, yeah, and, and that launched him into yeah this this amazing aspect of his life that he wouldn't have had otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know if you didn't if you didn't have him su- kind of supporting the dream yeah. off the off the top to what benefit of like you know our crumb like you know it's just like no this is yeah this is good art and I'm gonna make it yeah and there you are. And then starting Weirdo and, and using that as a showcase for up and coming artists like Peter Bag and stuff there. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Mm. Dor- uh, one of my favorite, Dory Sita. I think that was her. That's how you said her name. But anyway, who unfortunately had her own demons and stuff like that. But I, her art was beautiful and I loved all the stuff she did in Weirdo. Yeah. You know, and just gave, you know, for, you know, of course, yes, he's a woman hater. I put that in quotation marks because he said some bad things about them, you know. Uh, he's been honest, but encouraged by his wife to say these things. So, you know, it's kind of weird. But anyway, she's the one who wanted to encourage him to go in an autobiographical 
uh, direction because that's what she she did, you know, right. before even before she met him, her comics were for more based in her life. Again, um, again, the thing that I always say is like when you see the Crumb movie, it's just it's almost like if you had it as a fictional movie, it would just be hack. Yeah, where you have the three brothers and the one brother uh, spews all the demons out through his art. The yeah. other one sort of does a little bit, and the third one does not. And the one who does uh, is successful and has love and a family. And the one who sort of does, you know, is okay. But there's some real eccentricities that you're like, huh? So he like <laughs> swallows string and uh, and cloth, flosses yes. himself and all this okay well yeah. how about the one who didn't uh, uh let any of it out he's uh oh he's dead eh yeah yeah that's well he had some he had some pretty dark yeah. dark issues yeah though. that's not a surprise like all o- three of them outside have... of his art he had some pretty dark yeah uh, things but yeah it's interesting that that's interesting like when you when you look at um i have crumb family comics i think it's called and it has some of charles art in it and when you look at and I mean, he was the better artist when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, very bold artist, you know, just drew one of those people who could just draw, you know, first time good, you know, sure. no tentative strokes, just big, bold uh, draw. Sometimes it. that's not the best. But then that's the problem, right? When it yeah. comes to you, when you have facility, yeah. when it's easy and you don't have to work for it, when people start to get better than you, then it gets hard because you don't have the inner strength to improve yourself because where you are is good yeah, enough also all you had was that you were the best yeah yeah it's like almost every comedian will tell you if they have siblings yeah uh you know like um like a mike myers will tell you oh i'm not the funny brother yeah you know and yeah. uh, that's paul okay paul's the funny brother yeah uh, and like every one of them will tell you my brother's funnier my sister's funnier i'm not the funniest person in my family at all yeah uh and yeah that's 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 the way it is the one who had to work for it mm-hmm. the one who came up like underneath the funniest person in the world and had to like fight <laughs> sure. like crazy with like weights on their legs yeah they're the one that can run around the track like lightning now but yeah that's that's almost always the case sure yeah so da 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 there we go. <laughs> so what we're telling you is, uh, if you uh, like to struggle, yeah, you should uh, you should follow your art, uh, move to a country that accepts you, <laughs> and uh, you know, mm. uh, don't become a parody of yourself if you can. It's hard not to. It's really hard not to. You can become a parody caricature of yourself real easy. Yeah, yeah. That's why you should do a podcast and just be a parody of yourself in your podcast. Well, hopefully you talk long enough that you become somewhat well-rounded and don't just like, you know, hit the hits. Um, Dave. Yes, You sir. gave me some music this week. I did give you and some music. And it was a delight. Sort of. <laughs> was it? Kind of. No, actually, no. Um, but. <laughs> I thought you'd have this reaction to we'll it. We'll get into this. Uh, uh, you used to do a show called The Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. I did do a show. Oh, people love that show so much. They went, why doesn't that show still exist? Uh, and you went, but it sort of does because every other week you... Uh, you uh, do do it, and you gather uh, a topic, and then you put uh, five songs together. Mm-hmm. And people, when they hear the topic, they go, "I know the songs you'll be playing." And it's like, "No, you won't." And then here those songs are. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it's frustrating. What are the songs perversity. this week? Uh, so this week, I decided it would be kind of fun to do uh, a b- bunch of songs with false endings. Oh. <laughs> and so some of them are just like the most common one of like. The song stops for a second, then it starts again. Yeah. Which can be fun. But also sometimes they're a little more elaborate than that. Sometimes they're more kind of, you know, taking out out a bit of a a rabbit hole. So um, the first one. Oh, can I just say? Oh, yeah. So in general, 
I don't like that. Uh, I, yeah. I, when I, really, I did this, I, like, I thought, oh. I like songs that, like, you know, they go and they end and then that's the end. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of encores. Mm. I'm not a fan of that. There was a, it was a Paul McCartney concert we were watching. <coughs> and I forget. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a Paul McCartney concert we were watching. And he sings the, you know, tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Yeah. And then he sings that again, tomorrow may rain, because I'll follow the sun. And he goes like, you know, I always regretted how short this song was. <laughs> Pause. Tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. And he just does it over and over again. <laughs> and it was driving me insane. I know. I was thinking I was thinking about that after I put this list together. I was like, oh, Ian's not going to like this very much because there yeah. is a bit of repetition in this. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like repetition. <laughs> Do not care for it. So, yeah. But okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Whereas I, I find repetition hilarious. So uh, it depends where you are. Right. Depends where you are in the, the comedy spectrum. And that's because you find repetition hilarious. That is true. I do find repetition hilarious. That's why we're doing the second episode <laughs> of Sneaky Dragon that we're doing. We didn't really repeat right. ourselves, though. We lost some yeah. nice stuff, though. Yeah. It always depresses me. Yeah, but we got some more stuff. It's true. We can talk endless, endlessly about nothing. So, um, or as the show is, a deep dive into nothing. Our first song, everyone, is, uh, I don't know. I don't know if Jada listens to the show anymore. But this is a band that she likes. Oh, nice. And Jada, if you are listening to the show still. Hi, Jada, if you're here. Just so you know, this band is coming to your town in October. I believe it's October 22nd. I could be wrong. I might be uh, conflating that with something else in my life. But uh, I was looking, I was kind of um, looking at something about them when I was uh, doing this, just idly searching for one. I always like to look and see what bands are touring, like if they're touring right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are. So go see them if you get hear this. Anywho, this is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. That's that band from Australia. This is a song from their 2017 album, which is called Polygon. Sorry, Polygon Duana Land, and uh, it's the song is called The Fourth Color. Mm. I don't know what the fourth color is, but let's give it a listen, everyone, to this song. Here we go.
I thought it was uh, peppy and punchy. I like that part. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Then uh, you get into this chaos after calm and uh, <laughs> oh boy, I don't like that at all. Enjoy the, Do not enjoy like the that at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So this is a incredibly prolific band. They're like one of those kind of two albums a year sort of bands. Oh, where, okay. Where if you if you turn your head for a second and look back, there's five albums you haven't heard yet <laughs> and you suddenly you feel out of it. And I, and I have a hard time, you have a hard time with repetition. I have a hard time with something that I can't keep up with. Okay. I, it, once I'm behind on something, I just lose interest in it. But uh, so, yeah, but I do like this band. I do like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard a lot. And like I say, they're playing Philadelphia in October. All right. Our next band is a little Boston, I guess they're kind of punky power punk band. Okay. Power pop, power punk band that uh, this song is from 1978. They played for a number of years. They were very popular in Boston. They're one of those kind of bands where everyone's like, you know who's going to make a big La Peste? They're going to make mm. it huge. You know, they're pretentious enough to name their band after Albert Camus' The Plague, as it's called in English. Right. They uh, they got some fast songs, a lot of, you know, uh, they put out a, good, a great single that's a big hit around Boston. Okay. This song called Better Off Dead. But for whatever reason, I think they kind of lost focus. The lead singer had what he called a Sid Barrett moment. And by that, I assume he meant he took some acid and kind of lost the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, which is not good for your band, by the way, yeah. if you lose members to, to drug addiction or to drug psychosis. Uh, it does, doesn't help you. But anyway, I think this song is pretty good. Uh, I heard it I heard it on, um, so in the mid-90s, I believe, Rhino Records did a series called DIY, Do It Yourself. Okay. And it was basically like a compilation of, of punk rock groups or power pop groups, this stuff that were kind of on smaller labels or were self 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 um, self financed. You know, they put out themselves on their own record labels and stuff like that. Like in this case, La Peste put this record out on their own record label in Boston, and it's a it's a good series. It's a really good series. But uh, so this comes off of the Boston scene one that they did. I, I okay. I'm un, I'm unsure why there is like one like two CDs that cover you know the British punk scene, but then in the American one. It has a New York scene CD, it has an L.A. scene CD, and then it has a Boston scene CD. Mm. And uh, It's just weird to me. But anyway, and why there's a Boston scene CD and not one for like Cincinnati, or sort of Cleveland maybe, Cleveland, where Perubu come out of? I assume there's a scene there too, but whatever. Let's, uh, let's listen to La Peste instead of my, my complaints. <laughs> let's listen to La Peste with Better Off Dead.
All right, and we're back. Yeah, it sounded like, uh, like right off the top, it sounded like Helter Skelter was going to start. Okay, okay. Uh, and I did like the song. I, I thought it was a, I feel like I'm American Bandstand. <laughs> it's a good beat. Yeah. Can you dance to it? Uh, I no no. Oh, no I okay. probably couldn't dance okay. to it. Uh, once upon a time, I could have. <laughs> now now not so much. Uh, yeah no, but I, I I did like it, and you know, uh, fake ending. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the rest of it I liked. I liked it fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. I okay. liked it. Good good good. All right. It wasn't my favorite song of the bunch. It wasn't your favorite. No, my favorite song is coming up. Oh, maybe not next one. Maybe not two. Maybe not three. We'll see. All right. Not my favorite song so uh, this is um, now someone asked a little while ago what I've been listening to, and I said at the time I've been listening to much new music. Okay. This is actually a brand new album that just came out in the last couple of months. Oh. Called it's called Giant Palm by Naima Bach, who's a British British uh, singer songwriter who was in a group called Goat Girl that was kind of like a power punk or sort of you know kind of new kind of re- new kind of like whatever you call that thing revival punk punk revival or post-punk revival kind of thing all right but she left that group and kind of left music for a while but she was still writing songs but she wasn't really performing and i guess a friend heard some of her songs and he said hey let's put an album out together so they put out this album giant palm and i gotta say it's a fantastic album but this is my favorite song from it Mm -hmm. it's called camper van and it's really good all right let's give it a listen everybody i think you'll like it a lot Thank you. 
and we're back. Soothing, enjoyable, nice palate cleanser. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yes, and you didn't like, mind. You didn't mind that it stopped and then started again with a kind of a new section. It's fine. I expected it by this point. I'm used to it. <laughs> it is a to very, me, it was very like, nice song. It though. was a nice. It was like it was the summer, and this is a cucumber sandwich. Yeah, yeah, a really nice cucumber sandwich. Sure. Unfortunately, I hate to say it for us here in North America. She's only touring in Europe right now, so uh, maybe she'll make it across the water. Though that'd be really great. I love when I love I. Not to be mean to people like this, but I love when they come across and then you go to see them and there's like you and 30 other people in the audience. That's like heaven to me. Because <laughs> just you and like a select group of people that are experiencing this wonderful thing. And uh, it's great. Yeah. All but right. They can't pay the rent. <laughs> they can't pay the rent. I know that's the unfortunate part of it. I don't want to, I don't want them to Make sure you buy succeed. a t-shirt if that happens. Yeah. Oh, I always buy CDs and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, so our next group is, uh, talk about post-punk. Here's an actual post-punk group. This is uh, the Monochrome Set, who came out, came out of art school. In fact, their guitarist, who was Canadian, mm. Lester Square, not his real name, actual name, Thomas Tom Hardy, became an art school teacher in England. Mm. And I remember one time I was watching an interview of him and the lead singer, this guy named Bid, uh, were being interviewed on, on this YouTube thing. And, and uh, I looked down at the comments and one of them said, hey, that's my teacher. <laughs> that was pretty good uh so anyway this is uh the monochrome set from their first album strange boutique that came out in 1980 this is the etc stroll and what i love about the song is that for the first half of it it feels like it's constantly ending and then starts up again and then it just goes crazy at the end and just goes into a, a true etc stroll this repetitive final part of the song that probably drove a certain person in this room crazy but here we go this is a monochrome set with it, the etc stroll here we go
and we're back. Show us what you know. This was my favorite song. <laughs> oh, it was your favorite song? Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, and good. I was okay with the fake end. Listen, by this point, I've been beaten down. <laughs> my spirit's crushed. I got Stockholm Syndrome, and I'm fine with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. Yeah. You like this song the best? I did like this song the okay. best. Yeah, I yeah. really liked it a lot. It's really fun. It has yeah. a fun song. and I just I like a fun song. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's good stuff. One fun thing about the monochrome set is that they kind of kept the instrumental alive. Mm. You know, like, like um, it feels like the instrumental has kind of gone gone away. I'm not talking about dance stuff and right. stuff like that, but just like like a guitar instrumental. You know, like the Ventures or the sure. Apat, you know or the or the uh, Tornadoes. You know, Telstar. Just things like I, that. I know? don't know the Tornadoes, but yes, you know Telstar. If you if I played it for you, you'd be like, oh, oh, that's I know not. Telstar. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's the Tornadoes. All right, so you know them. Uh, so you know, just groups like that, though. You know that. Uh, and even in the 70s and stuff, there'd be like instrumentals. And people would be like, I like instrumentals. Like, in fact, I'm going to like the song so much, it's going to be in the top 10. <laughs> but uh, they kind of, uh, they've kind of gone away. But uh, the monochrome set are a reliable provider of instrumentals. And I do enjoy that. Okay. Our last song. Our last yeah, song, everyone. This is, uh, What's wrong? this is a group I like a lot. Right, well, a singer I like a lot. And, you know, because basically the group is the singer. This is Jonathan Richmond. At this point, the band was called still called the Modern Lovers, even though this was a, a, a new version of the Modern Lovers, not the original Modern Lovers that he kind of came to somewhat fame, but most of the fame is like much later on. It's kind of like I guess I could put his song Roadrunner into my my list my list of songs that are songs that became way more popular later on because they were used in movies or and stuff like that than were ever at the time. Like you never would have never heard the song on the radio. Okay. When we grew up, like never. All right. But it's likely that you might hear it now on the radio because it's become so much more popular because of its use in in in, so- in music or sorry in movies and things as a as a song indicating like freedom and you know just cruising around in your car and the radio's on as the song as itself says and uh, yeah. But that band that group he broke up. Because he decided he didn't want to play rock music. He wanted to play oh, okay. something that was different, that could be listened to by all generations and enjoyed. And uh, in fact, the drummer of the group, the original drummer of the Modern Lovers quit because Jonathan Richmond kept making his drums smaller, making his drum kit smaller, okay. taking away stuff, simplifying it all, because he just wanted it simpler and simpler and just really <laughs> pared down to the basics. One of, the, one of my favorite concerts I ever saw was Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, live at the... Uh, what was it called, that restaurant? I can't remember what it's called now. The Soft Rock Cafe. Okay. And it used to be on West 4th. Anyhow, this is Ice Cream Man from their album. I think it's either called Live or Live. I'm not sure. It doesn't indicate it. Yeah. Although they are playing live. So maybe it means live. Now that I think about it. Modern, Still, might as well live. Might as well live, as Dorothy Parker says. You might as well live? Yeah. That's her uh, poem. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's good. So this is from 1977. This is Modern Lovers with Ice Cream Man. Please enjoy... It's great. Here we go. Ice cream man upon my street. I love your truck outside. Really now I scream man upon my block I love your chimes, sir, they real and rock 
Now I scream man, please ring your bell and play that music that I've grown to love. Now I scream man, please ring those chimes for me on this afternoon. So fine. Now I scream man upon my street. I love your truck, you know that it's any, any, any. Well, I scream mad upon my block. I love your chimes. Your chimes, they reel and roll. And I scream mad upon my street. I love your truck and all that it's any, any, any. Well, I scream mad upon my block. I love your chimes, sir. They reel and they roll. That and I scream man upon my block. I love your chimes. Your chimes they reel and roll. And now I scream man upon my street. I love your truck and all that is any, any, any. And I scream man upon my block. I love your chimes. They reel and they rock. Now I scream, man! I, I want you to ring your bell ding, ding. and play this music I that I've learned man. to love. Ding, ding. And I scream, man! I scream please man. ring your chimes ding, ding. on the afternoon. That's so fine. Please, I scream, man! Music that I've grown to love, and I scream, man, please ring your chimes on the afternoon so far. Please, I scream, man. This pretty afternoon, 'cause it's so fun. You like the ice cream man? See, 
ice cream bell. I want you to ring your bell. We're talking about something that I love. Now I scream out. Please ring your chimes on this pretty afternoon. Cause it's so fun. Thank you very much. Our next song is going to be one more, one more time. <laughs> Now I scream back. Please ring your bell. We're singing about music that I've learned to love so well. And I scream back. Please ring your time on the afternoon. Oh man, that ending just killed me. I thought I was fine. I thought I was fine, and then it was just, oh, just. I mean, but the nice thing was, yes, I'll give you this. Okay, I got to give you this. Okay, and that's what I got to give you. Sure. The audience wanted it. The <laughs> audience was wanting an encore. They wanted the stuff. They they were enjoying. They it. wanted, it. and then it was nice that he did the fake out. Yeah, and it was nice, and it's fine. They did the slow down version. It was for the audience. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. for me. Yep. I didn't pay to come to the concert. <laughs> the audience paid. Yeah. They paid for parking. Sure. They paid for a sitter. Yeah. Uh, they probably bought a shirt. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Jonathan Richmond should 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 listen to them. Yeah. Not yeah. me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's at some point where the audience is like a little not into it, but then he keeps doing it and then they come around again. Yeah. 
Like at first they're like, oh, this is funny. And then they're kind of like, ugh, that's enough. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where they're just like, oh, I get it. This is, yeah. this is great. It becomes a monkey's paw. <laughs> and then finally it becomes like a happy monkey's hand. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's okay. It's pretty great. I mean, you'd probably enjoy the, the studio version, which is just a plain song that ends like a song. Yeah. I probably would if I hadn't heard this version. <laughs> probably would, but we'll never know. Because that Ian is living on Earth 2. <laughs> And has a lot more time <laughs> that they spent doing something else. But it was fine. I knew what I was getting into when I saw what the theme was. <laughs> Sorry about that. I hope everyone enjoyed it, though. Yep. It's fine. funny. It's kind of funny, like, um, a little while ago, I was... I guess we hadn't heard much... We hadn't got much feedback on the top five songs for a while. And I was kind of like, oh, what's the point of doing this? And no one's going to say anything like, well, not that I want praise all the time. I do. But not that yeah. I need it. All the I time because it really is bad to get too much praise, but it's, it's nice. nice. It's nice to get feedback. I'd like to try that. I'd yeah, like to I like to. This. <laughs> so uh, I sort of, I was kind of like, oh, maybe we should have stopped doing. I don't want to get. It, I don't want to get so much praise that I, I then just start doing comics about like masturbating and like peeing in a jar. <laughs> I don't want to get like that. That, am- kind of that amount That's of too success. much praise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's too much praise. But I do. I do. Uh, I you know, it, it's nice. Like. Like we got some nice uh, comments after the last one, and so uh, I appreciated that. Agreed. Anywho, yay! Enough about me. Let's l- listen to what, what our listeners like have to say. Enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> me. Yes. Let's hear your opinion of me. All right. Uh, so uh, we asked some questions last week, such as, hmm? "What are you doing to keep cool? Yeah, cool?" And what is the best invention of all time? Yeah, those are the kind of questions we ask on this show. I wish I'd been. A, I should have been a little more. Um, I should have filtered that a little bit more. Because what I meant was, what, in your opinion, like in your life, what is the best invention of all time? Like, what do you just love so much that makes your life better? Hmm. You know? Yeah. And it could be anything. Sure. Anything at all. And we got some interesting, we got some interesting suggestions. And then people kind of all jumped on the same thing, which is fine. Because we're all pretty much the same sort of people. A lot of you have come to here, come here from a particular place, a particular, you know, interest. And we all and we reflected that together. Uh, the internet and the microwave. All right, <laughs> the microwave, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't really use microwave that much. Okay. Hmm. Uh, you it's good for melting butter. Yeah, it melts butter. That's good. <laughs> you can heat things. You know, while you got something in the uh, oven, you can heat something up and get some stuff done. Okay. Um. So anyway, look, uh, Mick Elliott wrote us, and uh, so everyone, dummy up. While while I uh, read his letter, uh, Mick writes, "Hi, gents. Hope things aren't too toasty over there right now. I had a teacher in high school who would respond to any complaints uh, about extreme weather with the following statement: If you're cold, put on a sweater. If you're hot, take off all your clothes and lay on the bathroom floor." Okay. Uh, how did that high school teacher uh, end his career? I think I think I know. Um, uh, I suspect teachers today might not get away with this type of philosophy. Yeah, I think, I think you're correct. <laughs> Best invention. It really has to be uh, recorded music and whatever device you prefer from phonograph to streaming service. Yeah, you couldn't do your your uh, Sneaky Dragon uh, listening party business without recording. Uh, you'd have to just hum the songs that you like. I've got it. I've got it. Um, I actually went and saw a movie about podcasting a little while ago. Well, yeah. This week, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, the new film Vengeance with B- Red's written. Very starring, much looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. We discussed it in the previous uh, podcast. We did. I won't, so I won't go too much into it because I actually spoiled it for Ian and gave away the, the whole plot of the film. 
But um, but one one thing that was interesting in the film is there's a scene where B.J. Novak's character is talking to this guy, and he's making, I guess, the sort of argument I would make against streaming services and things like that. And actually, it's a really interesting argument. I really like to hear it from someone else's mouth other than my own, Okay, is what I'm saying. Um, I, you have to see the movie, though. We'll talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. Uh, I can't imagine a time where the only way to hear music was to listen to it played live. That is to say, I can imagine it, and it's unimaginable. <laughs> Edward Dragansky replied. I do like I do like live music though myself. But yes. Yeah, but if it was it the is only great. way. It is great. How that would I you can... know where to go and what to see? Yeah. And it's great that I can drive around in my car and listen yeah. to music. Listen while to music on the way to go and listen to music. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you what Ed Dransky says about this. Well, what does Ed says, have to say? I think I have to strongly agree with Mick on recorded music. That's a wonderful answer. I think I'll uh, now go and listen to some recorded music, naked on the bathroom floor. Whoa. <laughs> Hoshimachi. Whoa. That's a spicy meatball. You Ed, you say it, we picture it. Listen, I understand that uh, where Edward is, it's very hot. It is very hot. So to lie on he the bathroom living in floor... He's literally living in a furnace right now. Right, right. So lying on the nice, cool bathroom floor mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's not cool. It's actually hotter on the bathroom floor than it is in the atmosphere. Because as we know, heat sinks to the bathroom floor for some reason. <laughs> but not to the sinks. Okay. Now let's uh, let's get off the topic of Edward and uh, all of his hotness and yeah. all that. Edward uh, writes, uh, happy August from Lucifer Sphincter. Well, we're trying to. You're not helping us here, yeah. Edward. Um, You'll be happy to know that it's cooled off considerably here and we've had rain today. Okay. It's quite nice. Okay. Hey, listen, yeah. Edward says this. Sure. Before questions, yeah. I want to weigh in on the studio audience conversation you guys were having. Mm. One of the times I visited a family in San Diego, we traveled up to Burbank and saw The Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was still hosting. Oh, very cool. I was shocked how small the entire studio was, let alone the audience of maybe 100 people. It looked nothing like the, I thought it would. Afterwards, we just wandered into the Wheel of Fortune set where they were about to start taping. Again, small set and almost no audience. The oohs and ahs you hear when you watch the show on TV were all recordings. Hmm. Uh, there were maybe 20 people watching the show being taped, not enough to cheer it on like that. <laughs> One man had a binder and was somehow keeping track of all the puzzles, and everyone in the studio knew him. <laughs> I can only wonder if he was a regular fan who also watched the show in person religiously or something. The studios were also cluttered and dark, along with the astonishingly small size I was uh, still getting used to. The only thing in the studio that looked dazzlingly beautiful was where they shot the close-ups of jewelry or shiny watches, uh, when they called them out as prizes. That's showbiz, I guess. <laughs> a million ways to fool the eye. Uh, just reminds me, again, when I was a kid, I went to see like a local talk show that like Alan Thicke would host. And yeah, it was very, very small. The The only time I've seen like a studio where I went, woo, that's quite large, was I went to see a taping of Politically Correct with uh, Bill Maher. Okay. And I was like, this is pretty big. Huh. But uh, the one thing we really appreciated was the air conditioning. Really good air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, David Letterman's show had a big audience. Yeah. Because it was filmed in an old, kind of old-fashioned theater. The Ed Sullivan Theater and had right. a pretty big... It wasn't as big when it was late night. But yeah, when it was the late show, for sure. Yeah. You no, know, yeah, the late night was just a... Yeah, very tiny. But yeah. I mean, it, I guess it attracted a big enough audience. Which is better for comedy is the smaller. Mm. Because it's tighter, it's more compressed. I think that's why... focused. Yeah, I think that's why late night was better. Again, partly yeah. because... Of the expectation of an audience changes how you perform, you know. 
Yeah, and energy just like spreads out. Mm -hmm. You have to be farther away from, you know. And, and you know, it's the Ed Sullivan Theater. So Ed Sullivan's show was a different energy. Yeah. You know, bigger acts, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, they would still have like, you know, Topo Gigio and, you know, uh, Senior Wenches and what what have you. But then also you'd have like big freaking acts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it had to Plate be spinners. a big stage. They have uh, those uh, pillars underneath the stage for... They have pillars underneath the stage. Yeah, why do they have these pillars underneath the stage to uh, to uh, carry large amounts of weight? Because they had circus acts. They had yeah elephants. Okay, so they had to like uh, put uh, elephant pillars underneath. Oh no, because the regular stage will not hold elephants. I guess not. Yeah, uh, and the elephants are gone. The pillars remain. Uh, hence, hence the disaster when I put on Shakespeare's Taming of the Elephant. Yes, that was a disaster. I'm trying to think if there's any other elephant related. No, I can't think of anything. Oh, boy, is there anything? Uh, Mammoth Beth. No, nothing. I got nothing. Uh, about Drew Struzan. Having uh, been on my bucket list for many, many years, I first met him about four years ago when Drew came to his first Dallas convention. A friend of mine and convention owner had become uh, Struzan's representative and actually built a gallery about 45 minutes away from me that is mostly Struzan's work. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, I waited so long to see Drew's work in person. And so far, I've been to the gallery twice for shows with Drew in attendance. He's retired now, but still signs posters, prints, and books for fans for free. He'll even uh, ask you uh, to sit down with him so you can tell him about yourself. He's the real deal and is more interested in us than we are of him. Oh, sorry. It almost sounds like you're talking about a bear at that <laughs> point. Uh, here's a link uh, to the Galactic Gallery. Take a look at Drew's amazing work, most of it originals. And there is a link there to uh, galacticgallery.com. I'll return to answer questions. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I hope he does. Wait, he's back. Edward Dragansky <laughs> returns. Just to translate, it was over 40 degrees Celsius here today. Wow. No, no lake. I could light myself on fire just to keep cool. Ian mentioned wearing a wet bandana around the neck to cool off. My dad taught me that when I was outside doing lawn work in the summer. He'd soak a towel in the laundry tub, twist it up, yep, and put it in the garage fridge, yep, so it was cold and ready for me. I did the lawn work once uh, I was old enough because my dad had asthma and I couldn't watch him suffer like that, so he shared all his lawn work hacks with me. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to interrupt real quick uh, to say uh, a, fr a friend had a good uh, hack for uh, cats, which was um, uh, take a paper towel, soak it, put it in the freezer... And then uh, put that on your cat's back. Some cats enjoy that. The cats would not. <laughs> but some cats do. Huh. Uh, we found out that our cat enjoyed uh, an ice cube massage this week. Wow. So just sort of rubbing this ice cube on our cat's back. And it was like, ah, really, uh, really on board with that. Then we just left the ice cube on his back while he took a nap. And he's mm, very happy. Wow. Okay. Back to Edward. Fast forward to now. The weather service has been issuing red flag warnings every day to stay inside if you can during peak hours of heat. There's also a strict burn uh, warning since the lack of rain has made all the grass so dry that any open flames like grills and fire pits are forbidden. Uh, the grass looks like straw right now. In fact, last week a yard crew set a fire off uh, by making sparks from a lawnmower blade on cement. The fire grew so fast, it took out a huge area in Balch Springs, a suburb just east of Dallas, and burned as many as 20 homes. Oh my gosh, and there's a news story connected there that uh, he posts. Huh? Uh, Mick's post above really got me thinking about which invention uh, has had the most impact on mankind. Surely not 
the stupid internet or something like plastic. Just dumb plastic. <laughs> right now, I'm inclined to say air conditioning, but even that is a convenience and doesn't change humanity. I originally was going to mention something like penicillin or the x-ray since they help save lives and benefit the health industry, but then I read what Mick wrote, wrote and it inspired me. Mick mentions recorded music, an auditory breakthrough, so I thought I'd take the flip side of that and make my choice the printing press, or simply printing. Hmm. which is the visual ying to mix recorded music yang. Uh, think of where we'd be without the ability to print. Imagine if we still had to memorize stories and pass on the spoken word. A world without books, instructions, or images of any kind sounds horrific. So I'm going with printing. Nice. There you go. But remember, you can't burn a book if there are no books. So there you That's go. True. Stop censorship. You have to burn the person instead. You can't, you can't read a book about burning books without books. Exactly. Stay cool, sneakers, around the globe. I'm going to have some freezies now. Very nice. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, Chris Roberts writes, Hey, sneakers. I'm keeping cool this summer by living in the highlands of Scotland. It's a highly effective method, though perhaps not for everyone. <laughs> We're actually having a lovely summertime here, for which I'm very grateful. What future holds, though? Who knows? Best invention? Rock and roll, daddy-o. <laughs> Woo! And uh, Mick writes again, uh, P.S. Thanks for the 30-second soundscape of snack munching at the end of episode uh, 556. It's the little details that reward committed listeners. Well, Mick has sent us snacks in the past. Yes. So you're welcome. Mick, any snacks that you send us, we're happy to record ourselves eating for you. That was the sound of me eating my freezy before you came down to do the show. Oh, okay. So I was just sitting here with the machine running and I was eating a freezy. And then I was listening to it and going, that sounds kind of nice. It's a very nice sound. So I just thought I'd put it at the end of the show. Yep. And that's what the entire show will become in the future. I don't always put uh, things at the end of the show, but I often do if there's something worth throwing oh, nice. on. So remember that? That's like the Marvel movies. There's a little bonus scene yep. at the end. It happens. Yep. There you are. There you are. It pays you for listening for a minute 20 to the uh, closing theme. Show. Show? Uh, show? Sh- show? Show, show, show. Show, show. Speaking uh, of Ed Sullivan. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask this then. Uh, Can I read some emails? No. Go ahead. Um, let me just get out of this. So, uh, let me tell you, we got, we got a, a, uh, we got an email from Brent Tannehill, who gave the subject best invention slash keep cool. Okay. He says, I live in Northern Washington in a valley that gets hot during the day and cool at night, which is a real blessing. This week, it's been around 104 degrees, 40 Celsius. So that's freaking hot in the daytime. And at night, it cools down to around 65 degrees, or 18 Celsius. Thank you for putting in those things so I know what you mean. At night, around 9 o'clock, we open up all the windows and let the cool air in. In the morning when I get up, I also open the doors. I do this in the morning because if I did it at night, we'd probably have raccoons in our house. Mm. But think how much comedy there would be a raccoon sitting in a chair eating cereal. That's pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. One of them pouring a glass of orange juice, you know, or drinking coffee, reading the paper. Yeah. Maybe one of them stole in your pipe and smoking your pipe. Yeah. One's got like uh, some cotton candy. <laughs> just like he's putting it in some water and about to take a bite. I'm like, where the hell did you go? <laughs> that dumb raccoon. In every window, there's a fan blowing cool air inside. One hour after sunrise is the coolest part of the day. And that's when we close up all the windows and pull the shades. Our house is dark and cool all day until around six or seven o'clock in the afternoon when it starts getting warm again. It helps to have double-pane windows. 
They're a huge expense, but wonderful if you can afford them. The question about the best invention really covers a lot of territory. The polio vaccine? The automobile? The internet? It depends on what you consider the best. I am a big fan of inventions that can't be improved upon. My absolute favorite invention has been around for at least 50 years. Oh. It's fencing pliers. What? If you have some fencing pliers and a hammer, that is all you need to put up or take down a hog wire or barbed wire fence. It pulls staples, it hammers staples, it stretches wire, it cuts <laughs> wire, it's a prying tool, it's everything you need, and it never wears out. Good quality metal cheese graters come in second place. After rereading re my letter, I realized that I sound like a lunatic, but honestly, I'm not. No, you're not a lunatic. In fact, this is like the perfect example of like an invention that's perfect for you. Yeah. Because you obviously have a place that has an acreage that you need to have put up wire fencing. And so you have these wonderful things that, that um, are, you know, not only are they multi-purpose, but the fact that they also can last forever because they're just like a big giant wad of metal with hinged, you know. And yeah, they'll last they'll last a lifetime and, and they're just so great. And also, yes, a metal cheese grater. We have a metal cheese grater. We've had it forever. We've had it since we bought our house. Or, I mean, since we moved out, moved into our own places. Probably one of those sort of basket uh, wedding gifts that some people might give you that have a few items in them to serve, you know, kitchen starter kit kind of thing. And it's so old, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of brown now. It's a little, you know, it's tarnished. It's had mucho cheese grated mm -hmm. on it. And, uh, but it's perfect because it works so well. Like it grates cheese really well. We, uh, the girls bought us a newer one and, you know, thinking, well, this is kind of old and they need this new one. And so they bought it. And even they said, this one, this new one is not as good as the old one. Like the old one is so good. No, the new one was you know, it had some features that were nice. Like it had a big knob on the top to hold on to. Our metal one just has a metal handle, which is yeah. not the greatest thing to grip. It had like a rubber bottom to it so it didn't shift around if you were grating cheese. Okay. Not that that's much of a problem, frankly. I don't know why these improvements had to be added to it. But the metal is softer. So it, it doesn't grate as well as the other one. The other one's tough as nails. Like you just grate up and down and it's fantastic. So I, I, I'm 100% behind Brent's thinking here. He also sent a picture a fencing player. So I will add that picture. And I'll also add a picture that Louise sent. She said, we saw this stack of boxes of giant freezies at Save on Foods today. I thought the picture of the freezy on the top of the box with the words actual tube size printed across it, oddly <laughs> amusing. So we've got that to look She's at right. everyone. Actual, actual tube size is, is a funny phrase. And finally, we've got a letter from Laurel Robertson, Aww. or an email, I should say. And her heading is answers. I've got answers. Yay. She writes, hello, dear David and dear Ian and dear, and dear sneakers. She actually wrote sneakies. <laughs> so there. How are you all doing this week? I hope everything is well and that all are keeping cool. Which leads me to question one of this episode 556. We do not have air conditioning in our house. Maybe the last holdout on the AC in the in American South. We just hate to close the windows because you can't hear the birds or the creek and mm. other delightful summer sounds. You're right. We are outdoors more than in during the summer with lots of yardy things to do, mowing, gardening, weed eating, and the like. But we are blessed to have a pool. And every day, oh. we are thankful for it. Oh. <laughs> Ian is envious. Oh. It's a healthy envy. Yeah. Also, we don't, also, we do not have any neighbors. So we can strip off any time and just hop in the pool, yeah. swirl around a bit, and jump back out to continue on with our projects. The grands also love it when they are by. For them, we keep blessedly clothed. <laughs>
Question two has me a bit stumped. I mean, I'm really fond of the wheel and fire and electricity and piped in water. Hmm. If I go along with a crowd on the website that I've read and think, and think recorded music, I would say the iPod is a favorite, in particular an iPod shuffle, which just totally blew my mind when first discovered mm. all the music I could put on that postage stamped size gadget. Wow. I was hooked immediately and still have a couple of them with playlists I groove to every once in a while. Keep on staying cool, all, however you manage it. Yours truly, Laurel. Thank you, Laurel. That's very nice. And um, yeah, the iPod shuffle was a fantastic thing. I never had one, but they're amazing how cheap they were. I wanted one that had more space on it. But right. amazing how cheap they were for like, like a handy little device. And uh, it's unfortunate that the phone has kind of uh, devalued those. Because, you know, things that are just sort of unipurpose are also kind of nice to have too. That you don't have to have everything on it or always be carrying it around with you wherever you go. So thank you everyone for writing to us. We appreciate it. We do. Right, we have some questions of the week. And those questions are... Yeah. Do I have a question? Oh, all right. I have a question. All right. I got one too. You do yours. Sure. Well, we were talking about John Waters. We were. A bit of an outlaw, a bit of an outcast. Uh, tell us about your favorite outcast, outlaw artist. Oh. Someone that you really uh, enjoy. And we were sort of talking about Chester Brown and people like that, who also I would think kind of fall in that sort of very limited. In fact, I bet you there is about one or two of you who knew who we were talking about. But that's fine, because now you can explore it. And I highly recommend that you read some of Ch Chester Brown's early works. Same with Seth. Uh, his uh, book, um, uh, which is Ooh, called... It's a tough life if you don't weaken. It's a good life if you, it's a good life if you don't weaken. Don't weaken, yeah. It's a very good book. And, uh, and The Poor Bastard. Stories, the, stories from... We're originally in Palookaville. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then the Poor Bastard by uh, Joe Matt is also very good, yeah. which is from his his. Uh, yeah, he also has a nice collection of one page comics called Oh, not even one page. That is a very good uh, one. Yeah, uh, Peep Show. Peep, Peep Show. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good. That was any of his comic, but also his uh, with a bunch of one pagers, and that's that's a really good one too. Actually, I would recommend that more than the Poor Bastard. Yeah, scratch that. Visual, visually, Listen. there's a lot of uh, fun stuff. Yeah, it's really good. It was. I don't know if it's available now. It was put out by Kitchen Sink, so it's probably not around, but maybe someone else released it. Maybe Jordan Quarterly stepped in. And there's in. a lot of things called Peep Show, so it's tough. <laughs> yes, yes. Joe, Peep Show, Joe Matt. Then you'll get find it. I guess my, my uh, question is a very simple one, which okay. is like, uh, what is the most wonderful time of the year? Like, it's oh, a little hot right we now. We all know right now. What's that? We all know what time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right. September. So uh, yeah, what's what's school, the, school's back in? What's the best time? Yeah, I used to actually it probably is my favorite time of the year. Uh, what time is the best time of the year uh, for you? What time do you like the most? Yeah, let's hear that. I have my favorite time too, but I won't tell you. Oh, good. Keep it to yourself. I will. At least keep one thing to yourself <laughs> for a change. All right. So those are our questions, everyone. Favorite outlaw, favorite time of year, and how do you respond to these questions you're asking us? Mm -hmm. Because you've never listened to the show before. And if you've never heard the show before, let me tell you, we have a website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. It has our podcast on it. Not just this podcast, but all of our sidecasts as well. Completely Beatles, Totally Tinden, Full Marks, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, Fansplainers, mm -hmm. and Horse Mysteries are all there for you to peruse. And speaking of Horse Mysteries, yeah. let, me, let me tell you, new season coming in this in the fall. So, Nay! Uh, yes, Lisa's got a bunch of new episodes, a bunch of new stories to tell us, so... She's looking forward to that. Excellent. We'll be starting soon. I looked up if Peep Show is available on like Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. There's one copy left. 
Oh, get it. Get it get while it's out. hot. Get it while it's hot. Yep. I don't have mine right now. It's in a box somewhere. One day. I have high hopes. Um, yes. What was I talking about? Oh, we have a website, stinkydragon.com. Go there. You can leave a comment under this episode, 557. If you want to speak to me and Ian uh, in a different format, I guess, because we're still going to read it out. So it's not private. But if it's, if we want it to be private, you can say, don't read this out. Um, you can go to sneakyd at stinkydragon.com. We also love to hear from you on Facebook. We have a Sneaky Dragon page there. We peruse the Twitter sphere as sneaky underscore dragon. You can find us there. So uh, those are all the ways that we can be found. Ways that we cannot be found. You won't find us on Pornhub. You won't find us on Twizzle. Under a rock. You won't find us on Bumble. No. Even though Dave invented Bumble. Long story. <laughs> invented Bumble. Long story. I did not invent it's true. Bumble. It's I true. He did. did not invent he Bumble. did. It's a true story. I've got witnesses. We also got a really weird email. Oh, from from who? Uh, this email came from a person named Falon Fatemi. Okay. And he said, it's a time-sensitive opportunity. Oh, okay. Now, you're saying it like that. We shouldn't have done two podcasts now that time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's a thing called Fireside. Okay, so... Uh, it's a found, co-founded by Mark Cuban. Okay. It's kind of weird sounding. Or it's kind of interesting sounding. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later. All right. So everyone, there you go. Um, I don't know why it came to me, though. That's suspicious. Guys, thank you for listening to this week's show. I'm sorry we lost part of our other show. It was was kind of fun. We did talk about a little bit of stuff from it, but not a lot. Because you can't, you can't bring back the past. No, we uh, gave a lot of lottery numbers. Yeah. Out. It, would be, it would be kind of like that scene... It's in Groundhog Day, but it's also in another movie. Oh, it's in Annie Hall, where Woody Allen is dating other women, but trying to relive his experiences with Annie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing like the lobster thing with someone who's clearly and completely indifferent, has no sense of humor about this yeah. whole situation. Or the scene in Groundhog and then, and then Day. And the lobster goes, knock it off! <laughs> it's enough of this. Oh, this guy. <laughs> or the scene in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray's trying to relive that great date he'd had with, uh, with um, I can't remember the name of the character in the... Annie? Yeah. Annie? Annie? Uh, and it's just like forced and it doesn't work. And yeah, it's and then there's a lobster in the background going, this is a rip-off! <laughs> Knock it Annie off! Hall! Stop <laughs> it! <laughs> I was thinking about that after, because I was thinking about the scene from Annie Hall, and then I was thinking about the scene from um, from Groundhog, and I was, I was thinking, do they realize that they're kind of ripping off a scene? But they're not really ripping it off, but they're kind of re- you know, using that yeah. sequence. Then again. everybody ripped off Groundhog Day. Yeah, anyway. And then, so it uh, there you go. It doesn't matter. I was watching uh, Manhattan on uh, Tubi as well. Okay. Beautiful movie. Beautifully shot. Gordon Willis, The Prince of Darkness, as he was called. Do you remember when that movie was put on television? It had to be shown with, with uh, letterboxing. It had gray bands on the top and bottom. Because mm-hmm. Woody Allen wouldn't let it be shown on TV if it was cut up. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it was like, because he'd done scenes where people were talking to each other across the screen, basically. Yeah. In a like, a long shot in an apartment, you know. We lived our lives with pan and scan. It was a hard life. Yeah. You guys don't know. You, you don't, don't know understand. what it was like to see like one face yeah. and then go like, who's he talking to? Who's she talking to? What's happening here? Or or Is have two name? faces divided in half because the screen couldn't fit all both of them on. So yeah, you just yeah. had like half we, their head. When, when I was a kid, uh, we had to watch the good and the ugly. <laughs> oh, it was ugly. Yeah. There was no room for the bad. Nope. Bad was just like floating Get off here. somewhere else. Yeah. It made no couldn't sense. be seen. It's like, why does that good guy hate the ugly guy so much? Yeah. My my experience with those films was, boy, they should like close-ups a lot in these movies. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you soon. 
Take care, and we'll talk again. Stay cool. Is the Terry Lebon comic strip. Oh, Edge City, it's called. Edge City. Okay. It's well, he was kind of squarish anyway, even though, it, like, of all those people, yeah. he was like the most kind of, uh-huh. the most kind of straight ahead. I remember sending him my comic, Rounders. Yeah. And he said, uh, he says, normally I don't like to promote uh, anything that has drinking in it, but uh, I really did enjoy your comic. Huh. So I'm going to write about it in the next issues. He had a lot of sex in it. Yes, sex is fine. Drinking's not so good for you. It's a fact. Yeah.